Hello and welcome to episode 145 of G.I. Joburg. If you're listening to this, uh, you're probably listening to it in the wake of JoeFest. Uh, we, we are not in attendance. <laughs> but if you were there, you would have seen Kujo, and I hope you guys all did see him, and you gave him a hearty, you know, big welcome, big hug. He loves hugs, by the way. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. He's just a big, tall, willowy huggy bear. Uh, but I'm Steve, and I'm joined by my boys. Hey, it's Rob. Rob's right here next to Steve. Actually, we're recording together in a rainy Cape Town. It's fantastic, Oh, guys. cool. And this is Paul Check 1212. Oh, you're coming in nice and nice and clear, my brother. Good. Good, I'm glad to hear it. So this is our little message in a bottle to everyone uh, either at JoeFest or not at JoeFest. If we dial the clocks back one year exactly, almost, we were all at JoeCon. This episode is not a retrospective in so much as it is just the three of us catching up, shooting the breeze, talking some Joe, and just knocking our heads together, guys. I mean, a lot has happened. Blazing Sand 5 has been released uh, in the interim. We... Uh, we, we put that one out into the world, and I'm sure we can uh, chat about that. Uh, I've been shooting some stuff with my buddy Alistair. I'm also gearing up to leave the country for seven months. Seven months! To head, head beyond the Red Curtain and uh, go into China, where uh, they don't have YouTube, they don't have Facebook, uh, Google, uh, WhatsApp. I don't know how I'm going to keep any kind of presence, but... Hopefully, uh. Letters, letters that the government will check. Snail mail. Yeah, redacted. Look, (laughs) I, I will probably get a VPN, which will basically fool the Chinese, uh, sort of monitoring systems uh, into believing that I'm in Sweden or something. You better hope that they don't (laughs) listen to the podcast. I hope it works. Uh, you know, these, these systems are hit, hit or miss. Yeah. And obviously their, their kind of information systems controls are constantly evolving to combat them. So, this is going to be an interesting couple of months, but the biggest question I have yes. that I need you guys to help me with what? is... What toys should I take with? What toys do I take? <laughs> Seven months! It's, it's hard to wrap my mind around. So, Rob is here with me for my final weekend in Cape Town, amongst other things, to help me back. <laughs> so, what should I take, guys? I'm also like trying to figure out... like. When exactly I checked in at some gas station in America, like I don't recall actually checking in there, like with Facebook. No, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were partially delirious, if not entirely delirious. I mean, we we put ourselves through quite a, a rigorous little schedule. No, uh, definitely, we were we were ra- racing to get to Jokon. Yeah, and covering a lot of ground and a lot of places and, and really just ramming our itinerary. I mean, like, to step off a 14-hour flight and immediately go into... I don't even know how long we were on the road for. It we was were just like, 18 oh, hours. America. America is rolling past us. And, man, it's green. It's oh. amazing. No, definitely. Well, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. There's a Costco. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. There's a Pizza Hut. Can we stop at McDonald's, guys? <laughs> yeah, guys, I rode you hard. Absolutely! Yes. Wow, I I have so hard. Alive. But I, hey? I think of of the three. He was of us, like, "Bite the pillow, boys! It's going in dry." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't even take a smoke break. Damn, we got a oh, burn, burn often, rubber. Often. No, I, th- I think we kind of fitted those in with the with the, with the pee breaks. Paul, by the way, guys, has a very small bladder. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not true. That is true. 
No, and there were so many times when we did stop, and I just wanted a cigarette. I didn't even see half the toilets in America that you guys saw. Uh, I saw lots of toilets. That's the thing, guys. I, I, I maybe it's just something I like doing. Like, but whenever I go anywhere, I always like to go to the toilet, even if I don't really need to go. I just like to be able to like see the toilets. So, like when I visit friends or whatever, I'm like, okay, I just need to go go to the toilet now. I just it's interesting to see bathrooms. It's weird. For a good time, call Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's, it's like, I can just imagine Steve, uh, Rob now, he like comes into a house and he goes, hmm, so this is how they shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can tell a lot about someone by the way they shit. By the way they shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, wow. but we're, 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 we're getting off track here, guys. What we're, are we're, these we're magazines? We're trying to help Steven to pack things. <laughs> I mean, I think Steven, you have said before that you've wanted to pack some snow stuff. So you can actually finally get shots of Stuff in real snow. If you get a chance to see real snow somewhere, the juice yeah. is worth the squeeze. I kind of know already the answer to this question before I ask it, but I'll ask it anyway. To traipse around China for seven months on the possibility of having maybe one month of snow. I mean, to to warrant taking a snowcat and a wolf and the you know assorted personnel, appropriate mm-hmm. personnel. For all that time, I mean, those things are going to see zero action until there is powder on the ground. Mm. That's 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 a a long time to be traipsing around with bulky, fragile vehicles. I mean, it's really just going to be such a ball ache to have them in every hotel room. Like, oh, there they are. <laughs> Love those toys, but can't take them out yet. The sun's still shining, and it's like forty degrees <laughs> centigrade, which is in the high nineties, I think. Yeah. Well, actually, I think yeah. it's almost 100. Oh, it's in the hundreds, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 90-something is about 32 degrees Celsius. Yeah, guys, China is proper hot. Oh, yes. Damn. Oh, yes. But, I mean, I suppose in in the same way, it, snow and in videos is something that a lot of Americans and a lot of Europeans have seen a lot of, but they've never seen it from us. It's probably something No, they haven't very... seen it G.I. Yeah, Joe Book style. Yeah, yeah they haven't true. seen it the way that we do it, but, I mean, I suppose it's not so... Crazy. They haven't seen us take a flag into the snow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Stephen, that's the challenge. (laughs) Pack the flag. I think snow presents an interesting plot device because, you know, it's the environment that could kill you long before you even see the enemy. Mm. You know, if you are having to operate in a very, very cold part of the world. And, you know, it might not be as bitterly cold. Well, it's going to be pretty bitterly cold in Beijing when we're there in December. But, mm-hmm. you know, we yeah. can kind of ramp up the stakes that, like, exposure will kill you in 30 minutes, essentially, if you don't have a, a vehicle with a strong heater. I've got some good ideas. For well, that. yeah, dude, uh-huh. the, 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 the thing is a huge uh, inspiration, yeah. certainly. Definitely. And uh, Hateful Eight... The kind of uh, confinement situation where maybe the Joes are guarding something and they can't go out, uh, but, you know, in the gathering darkness, there are enemies that want to, you know, enemies at the gate, so to speak. Hmm. Um, yeah. There are cool plot lines that we can weave in, a, in an Arctic cool environment. Just, I'm sure you do. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to share it here because I'm scared the whole, the whole internet's going to hear it. <laughs> but like, I don't think we're there yet, Paul. Keep it close to your chest, mm. Paul. Mm. So I think, yeah, maybe my course is clear and that stuff has to make the trip regardless of the fact that I'm going to be in, you know, in, in tropical heat, if not yeah. tropical heat, like almost desert heat for for much of my time. There, well, then that, that makes taking, I mean, so you take those two, you take maybe two other vehicles 
And then, I mean, oh, figures... Vehicles. <laughs> vehicles in luggage is always problematic. Figures you can pack mm. down pretty compact. No, that's what I'm saying. Vehicles, I'm like, as many you snap you something, you just, man. You just shove them into your socks or whatever in between <laughs> layers of clothes. Um, but, I mean, vehicles, you can take smaller ones or, like, ones that are maybe a bit tougher, like the, like the desert, um, desert fox. Yeah. You can take that with. I mean, easy peasy. I mean, if there's enough desert landscapes. I mean, I've watched enough Chinese films to know that there's beautiful, beautiful vast... Deserts, yeah. Yeah. Vistas there of, of, you know, that you could. You so could let me just get see. it on record that, like, here at G.I. Joburg, we're all about the vehicles. The vehicles hey. determine the plot. <laughs> like, this is what you gotta pack, Stephen. The Desert Fox, Snowcat, <laughs> the Wolf, uh, anything else? Oh, I need uh, a, I need an aircraft. Maybe right? aircraft. Well, just something small. You <laughs> like, the, uh, the to hell no, with no, the characters driving the plot. This is hilarious. No, well, I think, I mean, vehicles help get the characters where they need to go. I mean, it, it makes for more dynamic and interesting shots than just kind of like, you know, like, you know, like you're going over the little characters. It's like, wow, you know, you could have done this in, in somewhere in Cape Town or South Africa. You know, I think just the, just knowing, that this vehicle is not in South Africa, it is in China, it adds something extra to the production values. I'm a bit more sentimental with that regard. So for me, it's like, ooh, my snow, my snowcat has been in the snow in China. Oh. So like, that's, that's kind of what drives me, hmm. uh, for that. True story. I got my snowcat for Christmas of 2006. And where was I? In the great white north. Mm. I was in, I was in California, Northern California. Naho. South Lake Tahoe, baby. Oh. Uh, and that's where, yeah, I mean, I, I had to. There it's was, touched. No, was beautiful, beautiful, fluffy white powder all, all over the ground. And I had to have a snow vehicle. And that's when the snowcat made absolute sense to me as like a priority. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I can totally see that happening. Mm. No, because like, if it was me going to China now and I was expecting there to be snow in the vehicles I would take, I would most likely take the snowcat because duh. But also because it transports really well. You can disassemble it quite easily. Oh, the teeth uh, on the missile box. Oh, yeah. frightening. So far, I'm two for two. Like, I haven't had any breakages in that very sensitive area. I've got a, mm. a tiger cat and a snow cat, and they both have, you know, really nice intact missile boxes. Mm. But I would not want to disassemble that. No, 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 no. But, okay, I get that. I wouldn't take the Polar Battle Bear because I think that thing's super fragile. But then again, I haven't but handled it's quite it enough. Small, you know. It's but small, you, and mine's beat as shit. Like, I, 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 you I fixed... You could just throw it in your back pocket if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just repair it on the other side because, I mean, I've fixed those front skis a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, look, the the Battle Bear is a support vehicle. Like, the Snowcat is definitely the, the main Yeah, if you have to choose vehicle. between, I think the one that I'm probably worried about is the Wolf. True. Because it's, it's quite, it's got quite a big footprint. Those skids. And I'm Those sentimental as hell about my wolf because why? So because it was my it. first Cobra vehicle ever. Mm. I was like, this is a substantial toy. Because up until then I'd had a Tiger Paw and a Pulverizer. So I was like, this thing's huge! <laughs> Little did I know. Ooh. Flash forward <laughs> like 20 years and I'd have a USS flag. Da, 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 da. USS flag. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> So, uh, so have we convinced you to take some snow vehicles for the chance that you'll spend an entire month outside? Yes, you, know, you I have. Think, I think we have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. no, it's definitely so going to happen. Question, boys. Mm-hmm. In this country, when you are withdrawing cash from an automatic teller yes. machine, which comes out first, the cash or the card? Uh, uh, the card comes out first. 
Do you corroborate that, Paul? These days, it's the card. Yeah, it sort of goes do 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 do. Yeah, you have the to card take comes card, out, and, and then, the then your money comes, comes out afterwards. Yeah. But I've had experience where they flipped it around in the last six months as well. What? So, what? I've never yeah. experienced that here. I, it's always been card then cash. What? Yeah. Uh, what is the reason for that? I think it's a security thing. I think what happens is, I think what happened was, is that people were taking their card, putting their card away, walking away without taking their money. Um, <laughs> Who are these weirdos? <laughs> no, but I think that's what's been happening. Uh, that's why they changed it. I, I need cash, I need cash, I need cash, I need cash. That is you, that is what's going through I've your mind. I've got my card back. I'm, I'm getting lunch now. I'm going to walk away without <laughs> the very thing I went to this this machine stuck in the wall I to get. Dude, that shit happens. That's I have I, I've, I've witnessed happen. that like three that's times ridiculous. in my life, at least. Where, like, but would you agree with me that the psychology of the card coming out first is to circ- circumvent you walking away without your card? Yeah, because your yes. card is it's super freaking... You can't not have your card. And the card is yeah. the afterthought. As I say, the reason you go to the ATM the is not because you like to put your card in funny places <laughs> and then and then get it back. You know, yeah, it's yeah. to get the cash because yeah, you're going to use that cash immediately. I mean, cash is becoming an outdated concept, but it's still king in sort of direct, you know, person-to-person mm-hmm. uh, transactions. So, Definitely on your mind is a very definite use for that cash. So, yeah. it stands to reason that the cash is going to be. You know, first on your mind. Yeah. Which is yeah. why the precaution is there in South African ATMs. At least, yeah. The card comes out first. Yeah. And once you've, card, once okay, you've drawn the card, the card then, uh, the money. then the money spits There's out. There's the thing I really wanted. I, you know, I put my card in there to convert into cash. So are we in agreement that that is the philosophy behind card first? I think so. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. The user experience for that makes that sense. That makes sense yeah. to me. I can't even imagine why, why, why you change it. Well, guess what? Here we go. Singapore. <laughs> In Singapore, cash comes out first. What? You take the cash, oh. put it in your wallet, and only then and you run away. the card comes out. Why? Why? Why that exactly? makes no sense. The one time I drew money while I was over there, I walked off without my card. <laughs> I was oh, like, fuck. I need to catch a train. I need cash because I'm oh, meeting a buyer. No. I'm you know, paying for goods directly. And I don't yeah. want to register for their various sort of online payment systems, which in hindsight I should have anyway. But whatever, cash is king. Let me just do the transaction, grab the cash, head off to the train, and eat, eat, eat. Out comes the card. You didn't even hear the sound. No, no. <laughs> You're long gone. No, exactly. If a tree falls over in a forest <laughs> and no one hears it, yeah, exactly. Nobody's there to hear it. Doesn't make a sound. Yeah. Exactly. So boy, oh boy, oh boy, did I have the shock of my life when I got back to this country. Realized I didn't have my credit card and suddenly trying pieces together. Like, when was the last time I used it? Oh, I used that it at that teller in Singapore. Oh I called my up my goodness. sister-in-law. I said, like, Des, um, when you're drawing cash from an ATM, which comes out first? She's <laughs> like, the cash comes out first. Duh. Oh! <laughs> Imagine my surprise. Oh, no. When we draw wages here uh, for Dora, for our uh, domestic lady, I'm often the one who has to do it because what happened is we had an incident here at home where my dad went to go and draw the money. And my dad's like a little bit wary of ATMs now because, you know, they keep changing stuff. And uh, he actually messed up on something there and then it locked the card and a whole bunch of stuff. So now I'm the one who has to go and do it. And I use two different <sighs> banks people. to go and do this. 
<laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so I use I use I went to F and B, which is my bank, and I go and draw money there. And F and B normally goes boop 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 boop. Take a card, then take a cash, because that makes sense. But for a while, Apps's ATMs were actually going cash. So you take your cash, and then you like to, as soon as you take your cash, then it goes boop 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 to take your card. That's just so, so like, weird, though. I don't, I don't like understand why you would change that. If you if you have a system that works, there's no reason to change it. Yeah, well, it's going to create a lot of problems. I think if they suddenly flip it on the South African market. But anyways, guys, I I, I feel like I'm I've satisfied my need to ask this this yeah this now dilemma. you know that that's what it is. It's 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 card then cash. So nobody stole your card or tried to use your card or anything like that? <laughs> Welcome to Singapore, baby. <laughs> Hilariously, no, nothing had happened, no, nothing had been withdrawn, it hadn't been tapped or snapped or, you know, it's so easy to make purchases under a certain amount uh, without inputting your PIN code anymore. You just yeah. tap on the bloody thing. So no one had done that. Uh, good old Singaporeans, I guess they're always, you know, Big Brother is always watching in, in that little island. So. Well, today, I mean, like, a real bonus would be if somebody phoned the number on the card company to report the card, that they found the card, you know? In fact, it was still so active that I was still using it for online transactions long after, dis- oh. long, long, long after leaving it behind, wow. but before discovering that I didn't physically have the card in my position. Oh, oh my god, because oh, the details are loaded into websites. Yeah, All you have to I, do is just yeah purchase, and you know purchase, your CPP, so. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's crazy, dude. Crazy, let's talk about Joe's. Crazy, let's talk about Joe's. Yeah, who's got new shit? Who's got new stuff? Who's who's acquired new things? New, new things. Toys, I new, haven't new acquired happenings. anything new, but Stephen has definitely dropped off a, a lot, lot more new stuff. I mean, old stuff with me. Um, I, I basically have my modern Joe's back now. Oh, what's cool. old is new again, hey Rob? Exactly. That's, it's it's it's, yeah. it's actually amazing to actually like rediscover your own toys. <laughs> Did you have any moments of like? This is mine? <laughs> I think I, I think I, I trust <laughs> that you know what belongs to you and what belongs to me. <laughs> That's what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Kept all the best ones. No, look, I mean... I, I sort of remember, actually, just now, I was thinking about Transformers and, and Snowcats. I was like, don't I own a, a, a Snowcat Transformer? That's that mine. mine! I really feel like that's mine. Like, well, you can have I, it if really, you want. I really freaking feel like that's mine. Those early or <laughs> mid mid two thousands, uh, you know, Energon and Armada, those guys, they've got an awkward place in Transformerdom for me because they're mm. not like child. They're not Transformers of my youth. Yeah, they're ones that kind of names. in the yeah. gap there. We were like, oh, we, you know, it's cool to buy stuff now. We can buy our own things. Hmm. Came from a time when Transformers were back on toy shelves in this country. And they were good ones. Mm. Well, decent. Yeah, I so, like that they were fun to play with, but they weren't. Yeah, look, I mean, well, it's mm. a good-looking snowcat. Um, well, I don't know. I just, I, for whatever reason, I felt like it was mine. As I say, like you can have it with all my blessings, buddy. That was mine. <laughs> no, I remember distinctly buying it because I was like, oh, this is so cool. This is a crossover vehicle. I wonder if they're going to do more of these. They never did, but right. it did a rat or, though, actually. What? Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a there's an A10 Thunderbolt, but it's very much like a Rattler. Yes, it's yeah. a it's a recolor of Powerglide um, in that smaller scale. Uh, yeah. What what I don't even know what they call it. All these things have names. Something class. Voyager. No, Voyager, Voyager class, class is the best best class. Ace I think. class, more expensive uh, than I don't know. It's class. Just, yeah, something Leader more class. Something cheaper. But top, yeah, top so of your I class. Have, 
Uh, your parents have got more money than other parents, you know. So I have my modern Joes back, and that, that's kind of cool. Um, it's, it's nice to have all these things back. Now, modern Joes are cool. Modern Joes are cool, dude. I mean, that, that's what that's what I mean. You collected for a long time before you kind of you know got the the vintage bug, as it were. Well, I uh, yeah. Well, let's just um, let's put that under a microscope quickly. The reason I don't buy uh, modern Joes anymore is because they actually don't officially make them anymore. You know, like, I pretty much yeah, got... Because they make O-ring Joes anymore? Come on, no, no, no. <laughs> what are you trying to say here? Like, the list of modern era figures I need that were officially released is, like, 20 Joes, and I pretty much will have the whole thing. And like oh, everything. okay, that's what you're trying to say, is that, that all the yeah, ones so that you like, want have already been released, so there's there's no... And you already own them, so there's no reason to expand your collection anymore. Exactly, and if I really want to... If I was really desperate about... Getting like all of them, I could. I suppose I could go into eBay and hunt down like the original thirteen. That that's like a really like about thirteen of the modern era figures that I need. <laughs> yeah, they were um, good. That ultimate Firefly, like that ultimate Firefly, is still something I want in my collection. I would love to get him, but I'll, I'm sure it'll come my way some way or another. And and the rest are FSS yeah. figures, <laughs> which are increasingly more and more difficult to get your hands on. Yeah, yeah and. And and let's be fair, like out of the, all of the FSS stuff that they've released, it's mostly those big boxes, like the of the, the collectors stuff, you know, the collector cases, like that oh, Tiger yeah. Force set. I would love that. Oh, and happy. the Iron Grenadiers and the the um Russian dudes, the October Guard. Yes, please, that would be amazing. Everything else has been kind of like eh, okay, but those I definitely would love. But you know, when I when I'm a millionaire, it'll be cheaper on eBay. You know, that's be all. a lot easier to get them. Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. have modern Joes. Nothing new. Um, I have modern Joes. Steven, you got anything, anything new? Well, I think we finally reached the conclusion on Steve's hunt for Tiger Force Outback. Oh, yes, please say wh- wh- what happened. Met up with the guy on the way to visit Alistair, actually. I drove up the coast, uh, this week, in fact. Met up with this dude on Monday, which was a public holiday here in South Africa. Uh, and traded him, well, it was going to be a Dusty from 2001. He did still want that Dusty. Mm. Uh, into the bargain, I threw an, a, a law, which was in that two-pack, law and order, plus accessories, for which he gave me a second figure, which I didn't ask for, but he gave it to me anyways. And the second figure was Big Boa. Uh, incomplete. Now we all have big bone. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, incomplete uh, insofar as he needs a glove. Uh, the bloody speed bag I don't need. And obviously his pipe was missing. So, taking a cue from Mr. Paul Loebscher, I took a piece of guitar string and made a very cool uh, pipe. That looks gorgeous. It, it does add something. I mean, it's it's a it's not a silver string. It's a, it's a copper string. Well, I don't know. That copper color? Whatever. Yeah. Brown. I'd like to corroborate on that or, and just say that, yes, he's done an amazing job. Like, wow, you pulled it off well, dude. Yeah, that Thanks, looks dude. freaking fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's nice. I mean, I, I think I suppose, I mean, if, if you bring two figures, uh, he's gonna, he's gonna bring two figures. You know, a figure for a figure. It wasn't, as I, as I think I've said before, it wasn't about the, you know, the, the market value of the figures. It was just, that's a cool him. figure that I, I, I want personally. Yeah, I think you, he was perhaps he was bolstered by the fact that I was giving him complete figures, complete figures that I had no real love to, towards. I mean, they were mm. sitting in a drawer because I mm. I am at, at a stage in my collection where I'm a bit of a purist. 
uh, repaints don't really fly too high on my, my priorities, particularly the mm. ones from the 2000s. Granted, they're very good. Mm. Whoever was, was re- responsible for the paint or the color choices did well by those, those sculpts. Uh, mm. I think for the most part, they are fantastic and realistically colored and they kind of are their, very much their own thing. But yeah, second time round on the wheel, um, just doesn't do it for me. So I'll, I'll only now, um, display vintage law and vintage dusty as opposed to those, uh, repaints. Well, then it made it easier to swap them for things that you didn't ever have. Before. Absolutely. And Big Boa, I would never go out of my way to get him. <laughs> but since he is an original character, now I'm like, what did I do without him? Yeah. <laughs> you know? In fact, I'm a little bit miffed that we didn't include him in our uh, Cobra Convergence 4 video, Rob, because he's rocking some Cobra Blue. He definitely is. Oh! I could have filled in that gap. Yeah, Paul could have filled that gap. Rob could have filled in that gap, too. Mm. It seems we all have a big boa now. But getting back to the main (laughs) prize, Tiger Force Outback. Okay. (laughs) Oh, object of my desires for... Many, many moons. Um, oh, wow. only, only enhanced by the fact that it, uh, it is somewhat of a, a rare piece and commands insane prices. I mean, this is something that was all news to me when I, you know, as, as the, the internet made it more and more clear that this thing didn't see widespread release. It did see partial re- release here. And I mm. guess that's why this particular outback is so, so much more special to me. And that's, it was a, Tiger Force Outback sourced in South Africa. Therefore, it is one of the Tiger Force Outbacks that made its way here. Yeah, that's brilliant. Domestic release in this country. The fact that I got it for a trade instead of three or four thousand rand uh, just enhanced that fact. Okay, yeah. it wasn't free of issues. He's got no crotch. But as I've said before, I don't care. I'm going to play with this one. If it was a minty specimen, boy, would I feel prohibited from ever touching the damn thing because of its value. But it yeah. did come with this included flashlight, which is unique to the Tiger Force Outback uh, because it has a painted accent and it also is the same color plastic as his rather unique pants. So I loved this figure intensely for a, fi- for a couple of days. But boy, oh boy, you should never leave toys within reach. When you visit your friend's house who has kids. Oh. Oh, there's a twist to the star. No. What happened? No more flashlight. (laughs) So, uh, we, you know, we were kind of at the house partially and then we went for a little bit of an outing. Elle wanted to show me a location. We did some shooting for, um, what won't be a web series, but will be a sort of a one shot. Um, forthcoming. Uh, I think we might go with the working title of The Race. Um, and it, uh, it soaked up the better part of, of the sort of the, the afternoon. Uh, got back and I was kind of up against a bit of a deadline, had to leave quite soon after that. Quickly tossed everything that I'd come with, uh, in the car. Um, couldn't find good old Tiger Force out back. Mm. Where could he be? I don't know if it was the maid, I don't know if it was his daughter, but someone had moved him from the room into the kids, like, toy area. Yeah. Uh, and I was, like, so relieved when I saw him. I was like, oh, okay, fine. I was totally expecting to see him in the trash, or not see him at all. He was mm. gone forever. 
Picked him up, made my way out the house, and looked down and saw his foot's missing. What? Oh my god. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I can't deal with that shit. Uh, what? Oh, How? Well, you could say brittle plastic, or maybe it's because it's rather fine molding. Anyone who knows the Outback sculpt knows that he's got rather thin, long boots. So, you know, easy for the toe to crack off. I've obviously seen many a horror story of, like, heels cracking because of people jamming the feet onto the figure stands. Face, yeah. Personally, yeah. I've never had that experience. I've never known a foot to, like, to crack. crack or even, like, split or anything. Like, the toes to come I've off. Well, look, I mean, I've never heard of this. Like, that's yeah. not an issue that I've ever thought of. Like, I think the only issue I've ever had with, issues I've ever had with vintage figures is the O-ring and thumbs. Crotches? Like, Crotches, okay, crotches as well. So those three things. I've never heard of toes. Well, you've got a hairline crack on your Battle Android Trooper's heel, ah! and that's been that's been this that's been this since uh, since well since I've encountered. You know, it. Yeah. Well, it's I suppose I've never tried to put him onto a battle stand because he I, stands fine on his own. As a result, I have never put your Battle Android. Well, thank on. thank goodness. <laughs> but um, but it is a thing that happens. Um, but the front of the boot that. That must have happened from it being dropped. Dropped oh. on a hard, tiled, or, or concrete floor, and just, you know, that was the point of impact. It landed on that right boot, oh, no. cracked it off, <laughs> and it, it shot off, out of sight. Never to be seen again. <laughs> Earlier that day, uh, when we were shooting, Ali and I, in and out of uh, a, a little stream... We pack up everything, nice, we've got some choice stuff, I think, I don't know. Shooting with the GoPro is always potluck because <laughs> you got no screen. You never really know, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But I'm a good judge these days. Uh, Blazing Sand Part 1 taught me the focal range on a <laughs> GoPro. <laughs> You'll notice that all the close-up stuff is completely out of focus. It's like, it's uh, focused up on like the tomahawk in the background, but <laughs> a lifeline and crankcase are fuzzy. Anyways, um... So, guesswork aside, we, we take everything back to the car. El pats down his pockets. He's like, ugh, my car keys. Oh! And it's quite a walk from the, the car park to the location. Oh. So, we, we, we hoof it back. He's meanwhile letting his wife know that she might have to bring the spare key because, uh, and she's got an appointment somewhere. So, that, you know, we are up against a bit of a deadline there. Um, and we're retracing our steps, walking through like a muddy floodplain. It's like, it's, it's the worst nightmare when it comes to, you know, finding something partially buried or fully buried in both mud and water. Um, I found his keys. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's hey. from the guy who found, you know, the freaking, well, uh. yeah, look, I mean, th- these web series are replete with stories like that. Stories of finding lost things and, of course, seeing a lot of dick. <laughs> <laughs> and there was that one attractive skinny dipping female. Absolutely. One. That was... But yeah, Rob and I have taken in a lot of dong on these things. Uh... I don't mean that literally. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, not... <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 kind of, that kind of came out wrong. Seen... Oh, we did it! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, which time? <laughs> <laughs> I get right, over right. myself. I'm 12 years old. Give me two okay, seconds. Okay. <laughs> all right, saddle that shit, you hounds. Well, um, thank you. I'm so glad we had that after Outback. After Tiger Force Outback. Uh, well, wow. So, so, so what now? What well, the... dropped, fired off into the ether, and I guess, I mean, if I believed in karma, I'd say, you know, L was paying me back immediately for finding his car keys, but... 
uh, he found the toe. What? He found the foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but I mean, so it's just two pieces. It's the figure and then the toe. It's it's not like more. There's not like. Uh, uh, yeah, that's oh, wait, it. Wait, you don't have it yet, do you? No, I have it. Oh, you have it. I have it. Do you want to do you want to see my Tiger Force outback? Oh, oh no. You mean Tiger Force and Tommy are outback? That's <laughs> <laughs> the ingredient, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Unicorn blood. Oh. Oh, object of my desires. Rob is now examining the hairline crack on the boot. Let's uh, see if his eyesight is up to it. It's the right foot. Damn it. Of course it is. <laughs> I said as much. Look, I tried to marry the two halves perfectly. It was a clean break. Yeah. But for whatever reason, uh, maybe it's because obviously glue ha- adds a slight thickness mm. uh, to the join. Uh, you know, it is nigh impossible to have a layer of glue there and not have them slightly offset. Um, either that or you're going to squeeze out the glue along the edges and that, that, that looks unsightly in a different way. Um, but that the two halves did not marry perfectly. And I did what is always a bad idea and then pulled the two halves apart again and re-glue. And I think I, I got it even worse on the second go, but it's reattached. That's the important thing. And I go. think if, as long as you're not focusing on it, it's totally fine. Well, what you could also do, I think, I don't know, if you could match the paint. Yeah. You could kind of paint, just paint it over. Fill it somehow. To fill it somehow, just so it's not, it's way less noticeable. But I think overall, dude, this is a very good specimen. I mean, the crotch and foot aside, he's fantastic. Yeah, I'd say. It's so. really gorgeous. I'd say this is my definitive Outback, if we were to, to do one. Um, <laughs> simply because Outback always had white hair in my imagination. Mm. Uh, 1987's original Outback was not released in South Africa, nor was he advertised in any catalogues here. Catalogues? Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and I had none of his comic book appearances, so this was the de facto Outback in my imagination. The one that I saw in catalog images. And on on the back of cards. But you're right. These 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 feet are very thin. Like I I can actually see these snapping. But like, I've never ever dropped a figure. Maybe I've never dropped a figure onto a hard surface. But I mean, because I mean, I think we've maybe most of our lives we've always played on carpeted surfaces or carpeted on, grass, on the sand or grass. I've never ever. I really can't remember ever witnessing a snap like this. But I can see how oh. it could possibly happen. Has this ever happened with you, Paul? Yeah, I can actually share one or two horror stories with you. Uh, I'll start off with the easiest one. I, I I know for a fact that the snake eyes I bought from Kokomo had a heel when I, when I bought it. And when I got back to South Africa, that snake eyes did not have a heel anymore. Oof. So that I don't know what happened in between. You know, like if it was one of us playing or me playing or me putting it on the MCC or something at some point and taking it off and not realizing that it had broken... That's weird. I didn't notice that either. Yeah. Um, Neither so, did I. It wasn't me. <laughs> I didn't no, try I mean, and put him on a figure stand. <laughs> no, uh, Steve, if there's one thing I know, it's that you would never put it on a figure stand. <laughs> <laughs> you would never admit. <laughs> no, that is a blatant lie. I still, to this day, dice with death and, and use figure stands on classic Joes. Maybe I'm going to get burned, but so far, so good. I mean... I don't ever jam them all the way down. That is suicide. No. You gotta, you gotta kind of yeah. like ease it on. It's ease just it enough on. so that he stays. You yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Or she. The, so the, the second stays. one. 
the the second such story uh isn't actually as bad and it's a mix i'll throw in two i got um like 2000 uh sort of you know those three pack joes that they those vintage three pack joes that they released in in the 2000s or whatever there's a yeah, or there's the, a Zartan. Yeah. There's a Zartan in that set. And uh, I got a Zartan, uh, Cobra Commander, Gung Ho. Uh, they were all loosely packed uh, from a China mall. Um, one of my exes got it for me as a Christmas gift. And it was really, really cool. But yeah, that Zartan's... Heel. No, you're talking about the Zartan that was released in the, the Real American Hero collection. The one that uses uh, Saw Vipers. Um, yes, yeah, sorry. Is that arms, the one? Yeah, legs, sorry. torso. Yeah, yeah, I got them loose. I got them loose, and I never really saw the packaging, so I just assumed it was from those three packs. Anyway, so I got that one, and his heels popped off, like you know. But they actually use a shittier plastic, in my opinion, uh, for the for that bottom area. It just sort of shot off, and like okay, whatever. It's like no major harm or foul. It's not like my favorite Joe toy ever, but it is the only vintage Zartan I currently possess. By the same token, when we were uh, diving in that guy's uh, sort of car boot sale of Joe's at JoeCon this time last year. <laughs> uh, actually, it would be on the Saturday last year. I bought an ambush and I didn't really pay that much attention. And only when I got back and actually had a look did I see Ambush's foot was missing. <laughs> what? This is amazing. Yeah. Like, was I just blind to these things or did you just not tell us? Because I don't remember. No, Stephen actually pointed it out. He, he's the one who noticed it. And it was cool that he did because it gave me the opportunity to find a replacement Ambush body for... Ah. Wow, for dude. two for two whole dollars at Yeah, Jordan. I think loose yeah. ambushes with no accessories are everywhere. Yeah. Because he's such a hard figure to complete with all the soft goods. It's like exactly right. this is a lost so, cause, just you know, toss that figure in the bin. I mean in the the, 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 the beta bin. The beta so bin, exactly. To cap yeah. off the story on how I feel about Outback, I was devastated at the time. I I mean I I I must have looked quite pathetic to Alistair, um, just kind of like holding my head in my hands in the middle of his kitchen, just like rubbing my brow and thinking, ugh, you've eluded me again, you bastard. Uh, Object of my (laughs) desires for, I don't know, a decade. Um, Something that I had a very close brushing with some years back. I even went as far as to write a blog article back in 2015 about uh, a botched eBay transaction, which through no fault of my own, was cancelled out from under me because the person was being ignorant. Um, anyways, it's the, only time I've ever, it's the only time I've ever given negative feedback. I just said, this seller is an idiot. <laughs> negative. Um, anyways, so that's, yeah, I, I got it out of my system, I guess. Um, they were not impressed, but they deserved it. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, 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 look, I must have looked like a complete fool to, to a man with kids and obviously, much greater uh, priorities than completing a stupid plastic man collection. Um, <laughs> fortunately, shortly after that, he found the, the foot. So, I mean, I, I my spirits were somewhat buoyed. But the thing I take from this is, boy, oh boy, oh boy, don't let it get you down because it's just a toy. If anything, it, it kind of reduces my OCD about this figure because he now has more than one or two slight imperfections. Hmm. You know, a cracked elbow, one, no crotch, and obviously this hairline crack on his boot. And that just means 
he's my Tiger Force art back to play. Mm. I'm not in the back of my mind thinking, oh, I'm running around with a 3,000 Rand toy. Just, no, you know, no, he's tracking him in the mud. He's, he's nowhere near mint. <laughs> or near mint, or very fine near mint. <laughs> Shut up, Rob. They are part. They're up. You could part this guy out and get some good, good bank. I mean, the head, the kitty shirt. Ooh, that left arm looks real good. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, he looks really good sitting in the Tiger Cats, and that's where he shall remain. <laughs> no, guys, I was, I was, I was down in the dumps. I tell you. No, dude, I driving home I from Claymont with, you know. It, out back beside me on the passenger seat, and his foot just staring at you in a um, it was actually in a Parker pen box uh, for safekeeping. And the whole oh. time I was driving, thinking, okay, I've got to spread a very very thin layer of Tamiya cement on just oh. the one half, and not spread it all the way to the edge, because then it'll squeeze out over the top. You know, I was <laughs> basically rehearsing this stupid operation in my mind, which did not go according to textbook at all. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was fairly botched, even though I rehearsed it so much in my, my brain on, you know, the hour and a half drive. Uh, you know, you, you, these things are beyond our control. I forget the original point I was trying to make. But <laughs> these are toys and get we over just want to have fun with it. It well, was, it was a similar it's, situation it's... with the Defiant. It was something that like made me want to say, is this giving me more irritation, sadness, anxiety hmm. than joy? Like, am I, you know, I, I've been pining for this thing. It fell in my lap as a trade. I didn't even pay for it. Maybe that, maybe, maybe, maybe I deserve this to happen. Maybe I was being too, nah. too cocky about the whole thing. Um, and, and now it's, it's been somewhat soiled or soured by this experience. You know, am I just going to chuck him in this vehicle, go away for seven months and forget about him? Like, get on with my life. Mm. You know, is that, is that what this is about? Is that the lesson that I should well, be drawing? I, I mean, this is the way I, I think about it. I mean, there's no, there's no hard and fast value to anything, really. Mm. It, it, it's your own personal, um, it's the weight that you place on something that makes it worth something. I mean, for, I mean, yes, children are absolutely amazing. You know, it's, it's a continuation of your, of, of, of a lineage. Um, but, but you, there's nothing wrong with getting upset about a figure getting broken and, and, you know, and it's, it has a lot of value to you personally. It has a lot of meaning. That's what life is. It's creating meaning of, out of things. Look, to set your mind at ease, I don't think Alistair thought my behavior was disgusting. No, I don't think so. I think that you're just kind of yeah. seeing yourself through another person's eyes. I think eyes. he felt just as shit as you did, actually. I, I mean, the fact you know. that he went, he went and found the piece after the fact. He kind of saw that you were in pain. He understood the pain, maybe not necessarily the specifics. Okay, I mean, he spent a lifetime playing toys with you. He knows how much toys mean to you. Mm-hmm. He may not now experience exactly the type of pain that you go through, you were going through, when you, when you had this, this loss. And it is a loss. I mean, you, you, this incredible journey that you went to get this freaking toy. I mean, well, you know what it says to me. can empathize with that, you know? I think, I think, you know, I'm going to say it right now so it's on record. I think this isn't the last uh, time I encounter a Tiger Force Earthback. Yeah, dude, you're mm. going to find a lot more now. I bet yeah. you now. We're all going to have one. I, I think so, I dude. I say it here and I say it now. We're all going to have complete Tiger Force Earthbacks, the three of us. As to do uh, with what we will. Hey. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it, it can be treated as gold leaf. Or it can be treated as whatever you just want. Another it's toy. yours. It's yours. It's like we each have our own big bow now. We can do whatever the hell we want with it. Yeah, because they are totally 
on the same tier of action <laughs> Something figure. that... Are you not see? <laughs> Yeah, but there you are bow. trying to place absolute values on things. You know, it's... Big Bo's Big Bo's value is a figure. Uh, he, you can buy the figure cheaper than you can buy his pipe, his hose. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a lot cheaper. Like you can get loose Big Bo's a fraction of the cost of the damn pipe. Yeah. Why? So, so thankful I have one. Why did they do it's just, that? It's just the way it is. They did it for Boa. They did it for Crossmaster. And they did it for Cobra Commander. Why? They knew at the time. <laughs> they knew. They has for like, whoa, people are going to be making lots of money off our toys one day. One day. So, so to add to something that Rob was saying about you know like meaning and and our sort of like connection to that toy. Mm. Uh, so uh, my third story, which I I didn't get a chance to get to, but Stevens is actually. Way more interesting. <laughs> um, I shouldn't preface it. I had a I, I for every time I heard that. I'd have about seven fifty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I figured that I uh, got my hands on uh, was Doc. Uh, it came by way of uh, Greg Crockett when I got my Terradrome. and I couldn't believe how quickly I fell in love with this toy because it's a really cool figure, right? It's a it's a great Joe toy. It's a great character. He's got so much swagger. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do an outdoor G.I. Joe book style review of this toy. Well, that's where it started and ended because I took him out. And of all the things to have broken on him were his fingers. Ah. I just fingers, put, not his thumb. Not his thumb. His fingers. fingers. The fingers shot off. It was what? like, yeah, that it freaking destroyed me, dude. So I, I'm discovering like breaks tonight that I've never ever heard of <laughs> before. It it freaking destroyed me. Like I was so hurt by that because I really love this toy and and it, I had a sentimental attachment to it already. I it was Stop looking like, at Doc- my crack. Stop <laughs> looking at my crack. No. Sorry guys. <laughs> Rob is constantly looking at my crack. He cannot take his eye off my crack now. No, this time I was actually looking. I just needed to see a Joe's hand to like think about. How, how, how did that I, happen? Dude, I was just, I was shooting some footage and then I was going to shoot footage of him holding, so um, crack, not even <laughs> his Nothing guns. at all anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, not even his, like, it wasn't even a gun. It was just like, you know, he's got that flare launcher and right. I just wanted to slip the, the strap in his hand and then have him like in a kneeling pose with it. And I turned the strap and that was enough. It just caused enough sort of counter leverage and it just popped it off. And I mean, I'm, so I found the fingers and I glued them together. But like, as part of my mission last year at, G- at JoeCon was to actually find a dock arm or upper torso, which I did for a whole fifty cents. <laughs> um, so I replaced him. Yeah, so he's cool. Um, he's some his dock was some assembly required, and I I don't think it would hurt to actually give him a bit of a peroxide wash one day. But wow, what a cool! It's just such a cool toy, and it was just so devastating to have that happen. So I can I can totally relate. Yeah, of all the figures to to beat up in a webisode, I must say I got the most satisfaction out of beating up Doctor. Mm. Doctor. Mm. Yeah, Doc. And like Greer, the, that's it, Doctor Greer. <laughs> Doctor Greer, Carl Greer, I think is his name. Um, hey, very good, Paul. Represent. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, do I have a trivia question for you guys? <laughs> oh, and then I want to throw something in uh, with you guys as well after. Of the Steve's trivia question. Hmm. 
Fingers on the buzzers, James. Paul has a chance to actually get a point back. Hong Kong. <laughs> the prize is uh, Tiger Force Outback's flashlight. It's <laughs> about the only thing you can salvage from this figure. Oh. <laughs> Shit, um, I can pay for a trip to Hong Kong with that. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Um, according to the chronology of his file cards, which G.I. Joe actually received a demotion huh. in rank? Why? Um... Oh. Why do I think it's Snake Eyes? Eh, I mean, why do I think it's no, Snake it's... Eyes? <laughs> <laughs> no, it can't be Snake Eyes. He didn't. He doesn't have any grades, does he? Does he have grades? He's an E five, but I think he's an E four now. I always thought people went up. I mean, most most people that I can think of, like um, I think Beachhead, Flint, Duke, they must have all moved up. I actually have no idea. Hmm. Maybe Beachhead did because he decided to wear that shitty outfit when he joined the DEF or whatever the hell. It's all battle call. I'm gonna give you guys both a hint. Mm. It is a member of the original thirteen. Wow. Oh, Grunt. Eh, Grunt. <laughs> What's your answer, Robbie? Ah, uh, of the original thirteen, I'll probably say Zap. Hmm. Rock and roll. Really? really? He got as wow. high as an E9 Holy when hell. he was released in Supersonic Fighters. But when they trotted him out two years later in Star Brigade, I think he was like an E7. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe that's an E7 in the, in the Star Brigade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's transferred over into the Air Force. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow. Wow, that's interesting. Mm. I don't think I wow. even noticed that. Or maybe... I wonder if but JD knew that. Hmm. JD. Probably did. Of course he did. Probably does. Son of a bitch. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, with my limited, all respect like... to his mother. <laughs> so, Paul, um, have, have, have you gotten anything new? I mean, Stephen's got his outback. I've got my old modern toys. Uh, anything new for you? Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's not really Joe related, but it is kind of oh, related. Well, that's okay. that, that's... No, man. It's that's, nostalgia uh, related. Let's move don't, on. Don't Sorry, get Stephen. weird. Don't don't be like that. <laughs> don't be those guys. Don't, don't like. We we're not dealing with the Third Reich of action figure fandom here. <laughs> you know the GI Joe Uber Alice. You know it's it's not like that. Here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what did you get? I got a cell phone upgrade. Yay! And with that cell phone upgrade, I got a PlayStation Classic because let's be Whoa, honest. Oh, a free yeah, that was PlayStation your... with your cell phone. Yeah, but it's a, one of those little mini PlayStation things, which just admittedly is not something I would spend the full price for or the asking price for because it's a lot of money. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, like, whereas with Nintendo's offerings and now with Sega's upcoming offering, I'd be quite happy to spend one five or one eight. Not that I'm going to spend that on them right. or have spent that on them, but I would be more inclined to spend that money on those because they have reproduced certain things like the controllers correctly and all that kind of stuff. Whereas with the like PlayStation Classic, the most obvious hindrance to me is the fact that it doesn't come with two DualShock analog sticks, uh, analog controllers, or at least one analog controller. Uh, they instead decided to really up the nostalgia factor by packing in two of the classic PlayStation controllers, which when which like it does it does defy logic 
Um, it completely defies logic when you open the box and you like take these things out and you're like, you know why? But when you actually play the games on the console, it does actually take you back. Hmm. But if you do something extra, and this is what makes it amazing, if you get yourself a little flash stick and you install, um, you just drop a, a, a specific file, a file on there, something called AutoBleam, which, by the way, is totally legal. I can totally tell you that it's cool to put AutoBleam on your flash stick because AutoBleam is just an emulation software. It will run any PlayStation game on your miniature PlayStation, any PlayStation 1 game, should I say. Hmm. So that, like, you know, takes things up a notch because not only were the controllers a bit of a setback, the packed-in games on the PlayStation Classic are rather hit or miss, and, and it's it's very much, like, black or white. There are games there that are incredible, and there are games there where I'm like, seriously, what, do they just have an extra seat in the bus? Is that why you're here? Because it just, it the mind boggles, right? So, oh, and then just to add insult to injury, they go and include the PAL version of those games and mix them with NTSC versions. So you've got NTSC Why? versions, which, yeah, so if our listeners aren't familiar with this, NTSC was the, is the American standard and PAL is the, like, sort of European uh, standard, which South Africa also uses. And the difference there is, is that PAL standard runs at 50 hertz as opposed to America's running at 60 hertz. Now, I don't want to bog you down with details, but I'm going to put it down to a simple, simple thing. 60 hertz, faster and smoother gameplay. Yay! 50 hertz, not so great uh, smooth gameplay. Boo! Especially if it's an American or Japanese origin game. So the game was developed in the States or in Japan. It was developed with NTSC speed and NTSC frame rates, which means... When we got certain NTSC games in South Africa as PAL games, like Resident Evil, etc., what often happened is they would put them in a bit of a letterbox, or they would mess with the aspect ratio, so it looked shit, and your characters were running underwater. Really, really mm. frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So they did. So they did this with the PlayStation Classic, which, yeah, I can go into a whole thing about why. I mean, more about why I hate it. But anyway, that's not what's important. So overall, you you don't like it, but you like that you have this emulator. Yeah, but here's the thing. The fact that I can put my own games on there, uh, or when I say I can, I mean the fact that somebody can put their own games which they've chosen to download from the internet on there has made it infinitely cooler. Oh, well, um, that's fantastic, dude. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome. The technology itself is actually pretty cool. And the fact that, you know, that the emulation software right now handles PlayStation games, but there are ways to expand it so that you can run NES games, PC Engine... Mega Drive, uh, Genesis, what have you. Okay, I'm that's sure they would the be, because, I mean, if you think, I mean, the PlayStation, when it came out, it was leagues ahead of the other consoles out at the time. It should be able to play games from previous generations of, of consoles <laughs> with ease. Totally. And here's the other thing that's, like, sort of weird. The actual emulation software on the console is not as good as the emulation software that you can download and put on a flash stick and put into the console. So that's another bonus. You can actually enhance the console by just spending 15 to $20 on a flash stick. You know what I mean? Well, there we go. Okay. So I have done that. <laughs> and before I crank Whoa, up my list Whoa, you games, want that on the record, bro? The Sony police will come for you. Well, the nice thing is, is that of all the games I've put on there, they I actually do own the physical copies of in well, some form. Well, then that's yeah. something you're allowed to do then. Well, it's a great it is, area. Though, actually, it's, it's a great a area. Bit... But I think the way that I understand it is that if you own the DVD or whatever, it's okay to own a digital copy of it. Nope, you have to purchase a digital copy 
to have a digital copy. Oh, you have to purchase a physical DIM. copy. To have oh, a physical geez. copy. Yeah, watch correct. out. And now that you have a Sony phone, they are listening to you, buddy. They can hear you, Paul. You've just incriminated you know, yourself, Paul. Yeah, but, but I think that I Bye. think there's a certain culture in Sony that's always sort of been I don't want to say anti piracy or for piracy, but Sony have made some very educated errors in their in their sort of timeline with their consoles. There have been certain instances where certain consoles have been easier to hack than others. And con- and it's not like the hackers have had to work too hard to do it. Like the back doors have been sort of easily exploited for things like running pirated software. Of course, when that happens, it definitely shuts you down in terms of internet connection and all that stuff. That's not what's important. What is important is, hypothetically speaking, and I'll start with Rob, because Rob is super chatty tonight. Absolutely. um, Rob, if you had to pick 10 at max 15 games that you would want on a miniature... If you got a miniature PlayStation now and you had to choose 10 or 15 games on there, what would they be for our listeners pleasure oh well interesting so i mean any games or are you saying any like, playstation, PlayStation one any playstation wow. one games so, okay, we, so we're dipping into your nostalgia here Some okay so for me time. for me it would probably be resident evil 2 because i actually yeah. love the game g police 1 and 2 because those are just those, those games kill me they're just so freaking good um final fantasy 7 8 9 so, because all three of those to yep, me are classics. Fine. I mean, those are owned as NTSC games as well. Um, yeah. The original packaging from America, so that's that's fantastic. So that's six games. I still have them as well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Wipeout, Wipeout 2097, I think was the sequel. Yeah, 2097, yeah. I would own both of those because Wipeout, yeah, these games, yeah, ah, uh, probably the first two Tomb Raiders. Yeah. Um, so Tomb Raider one and two. Tomb Raider two is is a game that actually I. I got, I got a guide for it. So it's actually a game that I can actually play perfectly. Wow. Because I followed the guide so well. I was just like, after that, I could just play the game like, then you go here, then you go there, then you go there. So it's one of those games I could actually probably, at the time at least, and I don't know now, but I could actually probably speedrun. Hmm. I could be like, make my way through there because I memorized the entire bloody game guide to this thing. That is fun. We could be making some real money on, what is it? Streaming. Uh, Tweet, tweet, Twitch, 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 Sorry, that's also another Square Enix game. Would you say yeah. PlayStation 1 was the golden era of your enjoyment of gaming? Absolutely. Okay. I, yeah. I would, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, Xbox 360, um, it, it had a lot of games that I enjoyed playing and I have enjoyed playing. I can still probably, if I wanted to set it up, I could go back. Um, PlayStation Work. 2, I think was just an improvement on the graphics and stuff. I don't think it was such a huge improvement where I was like, Wow, you know, everything on PlayStation 2 is, is hundreds better. I think probably... Wait if until I you play games, PlayStation 1 game again. <laughs> no, no, I don't... I mean, I, for me, at least graphics-wise, it's, it's never been about graphics. It's just about improvement in AI and um, gameplay. Okay, gameplay. I mean, also PlayStation, if I think about it as well, Steven had a lot more titles as well. I mean, there was all the Medal of Honor games. Those um. are a blast to play. And PlayStation 2, if, if I even think of... Ah. Oh, wow. I actually, <laughs> I literally can't think of a single game that... 
from PlayStation 2 where I'd be like, yes, um, you know, that's why I'd choose PlayStation 2 over 1. I think 1. Metal Gear Solid 3. Okay, Snake there we Eater. go. There, there we you go. go. That's your reason to have PlayStation 2. That's the reason you have a PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. Like Subsistence, yes. I have, yeah, I have both. <laughs> of course. But I think uh, Metal Gear Solid, yeah, one and two. Okay. What? Well, two, two was Sons of Liberty. No, Forget no, no, that. Sons of Liberty. No, well, so the bloated. original was on PlayStation, but the second one was on PlayStation Two. Mm-hmm. I guess okay, so I'm on seventeen games. PlayStation, PlayStation, no. Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Metal Gear, Solid. Oh, yeah, PlayStation Two. I mean, yeah, offhand I can't remember any any, any games of it. Like as I think we we, we just I know I know we just came up with two. Mm. A PlayStation was definitely. And this was something I was thinking about the other day. Sorry, we were going deeper and deeper into this video game category. Fine. But... We spoke enough Outback. We have, definitely. We've gone way out. He's in the Tiger Cat, and there he will remain for the rest of his existence. You can't see a broken foot (laughs) when it's inside the footwell. I was thinking the other day, it's it's actually amazing. I was looking back, um, I was standing with someone, and they were like, Oh, you know, there's there's, uh, any suggestions of games uh, to play, Um, you know, like classic games. And I was just looking back through the releases of games um, back then, PlayStation 1 and 2, and that there were a lot more games that came out. And mm-hmm. a lot more good games. You know, I mean, yes, of course, there's a lot of garbage that came out because it was so easy to code, I think, at the time for this console. No, it's just there was more money for it. it was and there was cheaper. a lot more money for it as well. But today, like, if you think there's way less games that come out, and they're also of very hit and miss, and often they're essentially just graphic, graphical improvements. And I think this has been happening for decades. They mm. keep improving the graphics, and maybe the environments get more detailed and, more, and maybe a little more complex, but we're still essentially playing the same games we're playing now that we played on the PlayStation. They're just well, a bit bigger, and the loading times are, are, you know, are both a bit shorter or non-existent. Mm. It's, it's just still fascinating to me that people every year will buy another Call of Duty, <laughs> buy another freaking uh, NBA Madden, whatever the freaking hell. FIFA. FIFA. It's just like, what do you Why? I don't get it. I don't understand. But anyway, I'm, I'm I can go into that you. a little bit later after okay, I so hear Steven's list. <laughs> yeah, 15 games. Can you think? I mean, for what, what, uh, what no. top five games? I, okay, I'm going to give you five there. <laughs> the only thing I'd add to your list was something that I remember we enjoyed immensely because you could play up to four players with just two controllers. Oh wait, that was Micro Machines V3. Yes, that was a great party game. Mm. It had an enormous replayability because. You know, yeah, you just get four guys clustered around one screen. And, yeah. Or you could play a tournament, I think, for up to eight players. So mm-hmm. everyone Switch kind of would yeah. go head-to-head and work their way up this kind of knockout championship. Much like our card art battles. Hey, mm. inspiration. Mm. Yeah, my, my, my friend machines, definitely. Yeah, that's a good game. Beyond that, oh, man. Uh, huh. I mean, obviously no. for you, not the 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 role playing games, but I think everything else I mentioned. Is Resident Evil Two rises Evil to 2. the top for me because I personally had that game. It was a title that I bought. Uh, there's always some magic to to buying the the actual game as opposed to just getting a copy because we yeah. all we all had pirated back in the day. That been chipped. Yeah, sorry, police, you can't can't, can't get pro- us now. Yeah. Or can Statue they? Statue of limitations. Has it been 30 years? Um, At least. Gosh. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that had enormous playability for me and replayability, mm. but not to the point where I actually completed it. You mm. know, done it and gotten hunk and tofu. Like, 
Yeah, I don't think I ever got those either. It's time... just fun to play the game over and over again. Sure. I'll never bother trying to do yeah. Hunters of Two ever again. Uh, what's next on the agenda? Boyos, take it away. My yeah, list, absolutely. Uh, my list of PlayStation stuff. Uh, unless, of course, you have anything else you wanted to add? No. No, I named all the games we like. <laughs> you did indeed. Well, I mean, I think I mentioned to you, Paul, that I, I thoroughly enjoyed just the slickness and the design of Ace Combat 3, Electrosphere. Yeah. Really cool, like, early 2000s, um, just making air combat sexy. I think that was Ace Combat's uh, MO, and they're doing it gangbusters at the moment. But back yeah. then... I think because the technology didn't didn't support a fully immersive world, they did their best with the the tools at their disposal, and it looked sexy and it ran slick. Uh, and you compare it to other flight sims of the time, which were blocky and just not as as smooth to play. Yeah, and like, I think yeah, Ace Combat really just had its finger on the pulse of like fun air combat. Yeah, what makes things exhilarating? So. Uh. So like you guys, somebody, uh, you guys mentioned like, would you say it was the golden era of gaming for Rob yeah, and sure. all I that stuff? So. so, okay, so as a gamer and as somebody who has been a gamer since I was like six years old, okay, since I managed to actually defeat Ghosts and Goblins so that my parents could buy me a new game, yay, excite bike. Um, I was quite a hardcore gamer, you know, like so. Gaming no, has always been. I think like, out of the three of us, Paul, you're you're. The person who has the, you can the actually claim the title gamer. It's, it's definitely yeah. cool. So, like, yeah, so, like, I've spent a lot of time, you know, playing games and things. So, what the PlayStation represents for me is Sega was my staple because I didn't grow up with a SNES. I only would get a SNES much later or rather have access to SNES games much later on and then play SNES actually around the time PlayStation came out, oddly enough. Um, but before then, it was all Mega Drive, and it was all another console called um, PC Engine, which is known in America as the TurboGrafx CD uh, 16 with the Super CD add-on. Um, so we used to play a lot of like Japanese games. I mean, I have quite a, a strong sort of uh, foundation in Japanese games. So what did the PlayStation represent? Well, long ago, in uh, it was 1995, my good friend Hong- uh, good friend David went to Hong Kong. Uh, to go, uh, it was his usual going to Hong Kong family visit that he would do every three years or four years, whatever. Uh, this was the first time he'd went, uh, gone to Hong Kong and then whatever. So he came back with this PlayStation and it was an, an incredible console. It was, I mean, we were all excited about it. We were like, wow. Um, you know, cause he was like wondering if he should get one, if he should maybe get a Neo Geo 64, but then, you know, he'd have to wait and he wouldn't, you know, anyway, it was a whole spiel came back, he had about like 15 or 20 games that he brought back with it. And the first game I ever played on it with was the original Ace Combat, which Steve mentioned Ace Combat 3, so I played the original Ace Combat on that console, um, as well as Battle Arena Toshinden 2, and there was Ridge Racer and Tekken and a whole bunch of really amazing memories. And what was cool about this console, what was cool about PlayStation is that uh, at the time for us, gaming was like this thing that we did, a lot of our friends didn't play games. Yeah, you know, they had a Sega and they had the Lion King or some such shit on it. And, you know, I would be the guy that people would ask for cheats and stuff like that because I would be, you know, a friend of myself, a friend of mine and, my, and myself were like the only two people that were known as gamers. You know, we spent quite a lot of money on video games and stuff. Well, had a lot of money spent on video games for us, let's put it that way. And so 
PlayStation was kind of like, okay, it was like the arcade kind of coming home properly. I know that Sega was always trying to do that, was trying to bring the arcade back home. But then PlayStation for us was like, oh, wow, you know, we can play Ridge Racer at home. That's really, really cool. And one of the coolest moments with regards to the PlayStation was that the the gaming gaming was like in a very, very interesting place because gaming was about to become cool. Okay, it was going to start taking its first uh, steps into being a cool thing. It was about to take its first steps into being um, a blockbuster thing. It was about to take its first steps into being quality. Uh, like, I'm not saying games before it weren't quality. I'm a huge retro gamer, okay? So I'm not saying retro games are inferior or anything like that. It was just that, like, all of a sudden, uh, we had a console on the horizon that was going to blow us away. Now, Sega also had Saturn coming through, but there was still a lot of, like, uh, weirdness with Saturn. Anyway... PlayStation comes into our lives. We get this thing. We get all excited. David's got a demo disc that came with Street Fighter Zero, uh, which you, which most people know as Street Fighter Alpha. Um, and on that demo disc, it had Resident Evil's uh, Japanese trailer. And I was like, oh my god, I have to have this game. This was like, like dead to rights. If I get a, when I get a PlayStation, not if when I get a PlayStation, this is the game I want. And so David would go on back to Hong Kong, not too long after that, about, it was about a year after that, actually, um, he went back to Hong Kong, and he's like, what do you want from Hong Kong? Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm going to get a Neo Geo CD, because he's got a PlayStation, I got the Neo Geo CD, much like how Rob and Steve, how you guys have your, like, you have these toys, Rob has those toys, we were going to do that with consoles, because then we could switch and swap and whatever. And then David went over and he said, like, okay, well, firstly, the Neo Geo CD at the time, he was like, it's too expensive. He says, like, the the console is like two and a half grand. And he's like, the games are a thousand grand. So I was like, oh, my word. Really? He's like, yeah, really. So I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, okay, dude, like, it's fine. You know, don't stress. Um, I'll speak because he's phoning me from Hong Kong. So I'm like, don't worry. Um, did you find the Gundam I'm looking for? Because I asked him to try and find me a, a Gundam Master Grades that just come out. So I was like, oh, my word, this is the coolest looking model kit ever. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, like, he's like, it's also kind of expensive. And he's like, but I'll call you back tomorrow. So he calls me back tomorrow and he goes, okay, 1,800 Rand will get you a PlayStation, two controls, a memory card, and you can choose two new games. And then I will pick um, 10 games for you. Okay, because piracy had already started happening. So I got two original games and then 10 pirated games or whatever. Okay, so I was like, okay, cool. This is really exciting. So I asked for Resident Evil and a game called Cybersled because I was excited about that. Um, and then he knew me well enough to know what else to get me. So I get all of this stuff and I end up having some of the greatest like gaming moments of my life as a kid. But I wouldn't quite say it was a golden era, a golden era for me. It was like it was like a change. It's like and something about PlayStation that was really cool is that Sony's first console was very dangerous. A lot of game developers really tried crazy crazy stuff especially japanese games designers and you would get the coolest and weirdest games coming out some very experimental stuff some very like sort of strict simulation stuff so that console has a very big place in my heart as does the playstation 2 and because i was on that more japanese side of that console than on the western side of things so when people talk to me about their great experiences with crash bandicoot I don't really have that because I didn't care much for Crash Bandicoot when it came out. I was more excited about uh, Ace Combat 2 being around the corner and, um, geez, what else? Uh, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff and that's what I'm going to... And, and so when I mention my list, you must know that it's curated from nostalgia and stuff that I really enjoy. And here's my list and in no particular order. Um, 
Resident Evil 2. Um, everybody has to have that game. It's amazing. It's the best Resident Evil 2 from that generation and easily one of the best survival horror games ever made. Even uh, even by today's standards, it still actually holds up really, really well. A hokey storytelling and all. Um, Ace Combat 2 and 3, I'm going to put them in the same block just because if you can play, if you can take the time to play one, take the time to play both. Especially if you can get your hands on the Japanese Ace Combat 3 because that is two discs long. It's got, C, uh, it's got anime cutscenes. It fleshes out the story more, and it's got a few extras that the American version didn't get. But if you do get the American version, awesome, because you can sort of get a basic idea of the story, which they've translated differently. They adapted it differently, which is wrong, because the whole game is about you being an AI. Another game, uh, it's, a, it's quite fun, it's quite close to my heart, is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. As far as I'm concerned, you can't own a PlayStation 1 without having played that game. It's one of the best games ever made. It's on my top 10 list of best games of all time. It's probably my favorite game. Um, it's either that or, Major- or Ocarina of Time. So that depends when you ask me. Uh, Rockman, or better known in America as Mega Man X4, but specifically Rockman X4 because it's got the cool Japanese intro. And I'm sorry, but I really hate English voices for those characters. They just always make them sound like cute kitty cartoon characters, which annoys the shit out of me. Um, so Rockman X4, that's four games. Um, definitely uh, a shooter called In the Hunt, because In the Hunt, when, when I saw it on PlayStation, I was like, oh my word, like PlayStation can do amazing sprites and stuff. This is like, oh wow, this could never happen on a SNES. So, but it's a really, really cool game. It's super obscure. It was made by the guys who would go on to make Metal Slug. But it's a hell of a lot of fun for two players, and it's actually quite easy because the game is very lenient on you. Uh, there's that. Uh, Ridge Racer Type 4, uh, Best Ridge Racer, Art, uh, Rage Racer, which is uh, Namco's racing RPG. Um, so it like, was the prototype before Ridge Racer 4 came out. Both are beautiful games. Um, the thing about this console was that it was always exciting to see how these guys were going to push the technology and what they were going to do. And Namco was on point every time. Namco knew how to squeeze the juice out of the PlayStation. Every new game they had had some improvement to frame rate, had some improvement to to depth of uh, field, like how far you could see. Um, you know, like you can see the the difference between Ridge Racer Revolution and Ridge Racer 4 in terms of your your viewing distance. That was incredible. Um, I don't want to forget it now. Tony Hawk 2, especially Tony Hawk 2. I loved 1, but 2 was a solid game. It was like, like well fleshed out. I have such good memories working in the flea market. You know, Tony Hawk 2 had just come out, and our local distributors, Steer Kinnickel, didn't think that that game was going to do well. So they actually didn't bring a lot of stock. They brought in 50 for the whole country of Tony Hawk 2 to be sold in shops like Reggie's and stuff. And only the shops, uh, only... Reggie's in places like Santon and your sort of upmarket shopping centers got the game. Um, and they were selling it for a ridiculous 580 or 630 rand price tag, which was at the time was just stupid. Um, so we were selling the pirated copy of it. Um, and we sold something ridiculous. It was like two or 300 of them on a weekend. That shows you how popular that game was. Um, this would go into a long line of how we would actually piss off the local distributors until they actually realized and noticed who we were and then started taking us in as consultants. Um, Anime Works, they used to take Anime Works' advice in terms of launching games. So Anime Works had a huge part to play in gaming and the growth of gaming in South Africa. And, and I can say that was quite, <laughs> quite a lot of confidence and conviction. Um, so Tony Hawk 2, uh, Colony Wars, 
definitely, if you love if you love G Police guys, you have to try out Colony Wars. I am way more on the side of space shooters than I am on sort of more grounded stuff. But Colony Wars, Wipeout 3 and Wipeout 2097. So we have 11 games now. Um, hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm actually purposely neglecting a role-playing games because I can find 15 of the best role-playing games right now easily. So I'm actually uh, ex- excusing all of them except for one. So Hybrid is a role-playing uh, survival horror uh, hybrid. It's, it goes by the name of Parasite Eve which is amazing. You guys have got to play that. Um, Dino Crisis, the first Dino Crisis. Um, the Ghost in the Shell game. Ooh, loved Ghost, what, Ghost in the really? Shell. really? Yeah, dude. Ghost <laughs> in the Shell on PlayStation is awesome. It's a bit basic bitch, but it, it, had a, it had a good look. It's got a good look. You see, the thing is, like, if you've played the NTSC one, the frame rate is beautiful. It's so smooth. And that was doing stuff on the console nobody thought they could do. You know, Ghost in the Shell was the first Technically, the first 3D first-person shooter on uh, on console that worked properly. So, uh, so it was Ghost in the Shell. No. Oh, mind you, no, you could go first-person. I think you switch. So it was along the same lines as Descent, but Descent was so crazy difficult to control, and Ghost in the Shell was just smart. That was just very smart game design, very simple, but smart and repetitive, and you can do it over and over again to unlock everything, all the videos and all that fun stuff. Oh, I just loved uh, the the depth of enemy um, bots that were created for that game. Yeah, I mean, dude. They, they had so many different units. And it was so mm. cool. Like, you, you, you I, I mean, uh, if you remember what it was like playing the first time, you got your ass kicked. You were like, but now that when you play it, you're kind of like, oh, you, you sort of know the patterns. There was a very, very smart game design in there that I loved a bit, uh, to bits on there. And it was just super helpful. And another one, a bit of a, an oddball, well, not oddball one, but it's one of the best games ever made, is Silent Hill. I was is something I would put on that list, and that would be like my sort of like oh fifteen. I can only choose fifteen games. It would be those because I know that every one of those games I can play um, to death and enjoy, and I can play them over and over and over again because I have indeed played them over and over and over again. And even now, I still play Castlevania, Rockman, and I'm currently when I have time doing a bit of a stint through Ridge Racer Four again, just because I love the music. It was just just such an incredible game, and I I yearn for Namco to make a, a new Ridge Racer on that model. Even if they just remade Ridge Racer 4 for modern consoles, it would totally work with the gaming dynamic that we have today. And gaming today is proving that, that a lot of old-school game concepts actually work better today than some of the new shit that they're throwing at us. And I'm not against new shit. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm against repetitive new shit, and that's what Rob mentioned earlier. He mentioned um, the Call of Duties, the FIFAs. Yeah, that shit. That's that's something that has happened. Is that there's been a schism. There's a there's a there's a split in gamers. There's guys who play games, you know, who who spend time and and live for games. Uh, what's a good analogy? There are people who eat to live, and there are people who live to eat. So the thing is, there are people who live. Which is the good game. one? <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There is, there's no right choice. It's just there are just two different schools of thought. There are people who live to eat, which means you love a meal being well prepared. You you probably enjoy cooking and you like making stuff really amazing and you, you get a full experience from the meal. And then there are people who eat who are like, oh, you know, this wasn't too bad. I can eat it, you know, irrespective of if it was the best um, lasagna they've ever had in their life or not. You know what I mean? Whereas people Or if it was a eat, mollusk pulled from the sea and put on your plate, which you then have to dig out of its shell with a toothpick. Yeah, that's that yeah. sounds like yeah, that's a lot of maintenance. 
So that sounds like my in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, like, gaming is in a funny space. But right now, there are a lot of games for us who are like sort of looking for something deeper. And I'm talking to you now, Rob. Uh, there's yeah. a remake, a, a spiritual successor to Castlevania Symphony of the Night that has just come out. It's called Bloodstained. It's made by the same guy, Kogi, uh, Kogi Igarashi, who, uh, Koji Igarashi, who made the original Symphony of the Night. And he did a Kickstarter that amassed something crazy like seven million dollars on its first day. It was sort of like the, the, it was like the, the biggest Kickstarter that had ever happened. Um, and then it was followed two weeks later by Shenmue 3's Kickstarter, which was which blew out of the water with something ridiculous, like I think it was 12 million or something. Anyway, Ooh. Shenmue 3 is also around the corner. Anyway, Bloodstained is beautiful. It just it takes that Metroidvania style and, and just does amazing stuff with it. And you guys have got to play it if you're looking for something different. But in the indie, I don't space, need to play with Bloodstained, bro. I get Bloodstained once a month from a girl. <laughs> Damn. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah, guys, there, there is, there is still a place for old school gaming, uh, and, and sort of more in-depth gaming than Call of Duty. And please don't misunderstand me. I don't enjoy Call of Duty. I don't enjoy that sort of herd mentality with those games, but they are very well made games. And I do get it when guys enjoy them because even I enjoy them when I play the single player campaign through the first time. That's about all I enjoy from them, which is why I never buy them because it's like three hours worth of content for, like 900 bucks. It's like, no. Hmm. But yeah, that would be my list. And, and that's currently what's on my mini console right now, what I've just mentioned now. Um, that, or should I say, that's 15 of the 34 games that is on my mini console. The rest of it really, if anybody cares, is a collection of uh, 2D shooters, Thunder Force 5, R-Type, Darius, and the like. And then some very anime-inspired games like the Macross, Do You Remember Love, which was a cool shooter, Macross VFX, because I'm a huge Macross fan some of the weird, obscure Gundam games, and a ton of 2D fighters, because I love me some fighting games. So now so. we know what new shit we all got. Yeah. Whoa, so. amazing. Whoa. Uh, it's Friday night in South Africa, which means it is uh, Friday afternoon, and Joe Fest looms large. Mm. Uh, I'm checking I've, the socials a little bit. Yes, are I actually, up. Yeah, I actually saw um, um, Bart. Uh, he went to uh, one of the customizing uh, workshops, I think, and he came up with a, with a really cool-looking figure. He posted a couple of pics on, uh, on Instagram. Outstanding. Nice. Cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a custom workshop. You could you make stuff. So yeah, oh. shout out to Bart. I think uh, your figure looks really freaking cool. Yeah, man. I this episode will probably only be released uh, as the weekend is wrapping up. So for those of you who are at Joe Fest, have an amazing time. I hope you have had a amazing time. Uh, this will be for your drive home, right? Perhaps. <laughs> this, this perhaps. Podcast, probably. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it depends. Um, I see also shattered uh, a glass riding on in there. <laughs> with his coils of his doom. Coils of doom. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, one or two little videos of that. Yeah, man. I hope everyone plays nice. I hope everyone makes new friends and sees old ones. It was very cool to see pictures of, uh, of, uh, of Team Diagnostic Eddie, um, Adam Riches and Chris McLeod, and of course Kate the Potter. Hey guys. Uh, having lunch together. Just, it's nice that Did there is an event that can, you can kind of, Get a snapshot of of the GI Joe community, yeah, of its day, uh, and and this is 2019, and this is where we're at, and yeah, man, it's 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 an exciting time to be a Joe fan, if for no other reason than we are a community with a lot of hearts and a lot of passion, 
and there's stuff happening, man. It's awesome. I'm I'm so excited for everyone who's there this week, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of the pictures and hopefully hearing some of the stories at some point as well. Hey, and and I don't know if this guy is like um, being ridiculous or if he just didn't like. Uh, I just saw something on our socials now. There's a guy that's trying to sell a tactical battle platform for three thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> wow. Well, one day, Paul, wow. that's how much you're gonna be able to sell yours for? Jeez, dude. Oh my word, dude. That is. I, I I think that's an error. I think there's some kind of error that he made there. There's no way. Um, yeah. Uh, Did anyone here watch Dark Phoenix? Not I haven't yet. had a chance to yet. Um, I've wanted to because I'm very curious to see... I don't know. I, I feel it like seems like the entire world didn't uh, watch that film. Everyone it's, skipped it. It's, 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 <laughs> it's performed very poorly and it has been universally panned. Ugh. And I think... You know, it was unfortunately a bit of a fizzle to end what was, you know, until Marvel started really knocking them out of the park in the MCU, what was our sort of preeminent, uh, superhero film franchise. Yeah. You know, for 19 years, just about, just over, uh, we've been seeing the, the successes and some of the, the failures of, um, the mutants at the movies. And I did see Dark Phoenix and, I was filled with such elation and excitement for the first 20 minutes. Hmm. And it leans very heavily on a stunning Hans Zimmer score. I know he must be one of your uh, personal influences, Paul, Mm, uh, because I do feel like if you, if you had an orchestra at your fingertips, that's the kind of minimalist, like cyclical, you know, thematic music that you'd want to create, you know, that kind of, a crossroads between yes, classical instruments and electronic instruments, but in a very repetitive, uh, thematic build, mm. constant build. That's his style, and it's damn effective. And boy, oh boy, it sent chills down my spine to see the X Men travel to space. It always does, right? <laughs> yeah, it always does, I mean, and it is gorgeous. Cool. Sorry, that's what I was referring And it to. is <laughs> absolutely going to be our playout for this episode because I think everyone needs to hear this triumphant score, even if you haven't seen the film. Because Hans Zimmer so closely works with the Nolan brothers, for instance, I thought to myself, hang on, these first 20 minutes, it could be a Chris Nolan film. It has got that, like, gravity to it. Hmm. Uh, terrible choice of words. <laughs> it feels interstellar. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it has got some beautiful direction, some t- cinematography, and like, oh, seeing the X-Jet, which is a lame term for it, I wish they'd have stuck with Blackbird, Blackbird. Mm. seeing it blasting into space with the team on board and like nice, you know, very dramatic dollies of Charles Xavier kind of, oh man, it's like as an actor, it would be my personal like career high watermark to be underscored by Hans Zimmer. (laughs) You don't have to do anything. The music is doing all the work You just have to rock up. Just, no. just stand there looking Aww. perplexed, or sit in your wheelchair looking <laughs> perplexed and you know thoughtful, and the music is is you know is pumping underneath you, which is, yeah, as I say, it it made me it made me think that I was in for a far more superior film than I ultimately got. Mm. Uh, it had some themes that would have been would have made for fantastic cinematic exploration because we've seen McAvoy's Xavier being. A far more, uh, uh, 
tarnished or soiled kind of Xavier. And that's not to say Patrick Stewart can't do a broken Xavier. He certainly did one in Logan. Mm. But because he... I think because he was always our starship captain in the next generation, okay. he has got such a stoic mm. and unassailable um, uh, energy. Yeah. I just like I would. I mean, if that guy said jump in the flames, I, I'd 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 be burning my ass off. I'd be in there. I'd make it in seconds. I'd, yeah, I'd I was be... gonna say I'll only wait for him to go make it so. But... <laughs> <laughs> Engage. <laughs> um, so look, uh, McAvoy. As a, a a a flawed leader, as someone who perhaps let the success of his team go to his head, you know, he's busy shaking hands with the president of the United States. That, like, hubris is so interesting to uh, examine a bit closer. Mm. Unfortunately, like, they had to make it about the dog phoenix again. What? Misstep. Mm. Anyways, I don't want to hop on this thing's negative uh, aspect. What I did, which was an interesting exercise was I exposed myself to all the negative reviews hmm. in the lead-up to it, because I was like, exposing myself to what every nitpicker had to say about this film can only serve to enhance my appreciation of what is good. Hmm. And let me tell you, even if you just watch the first 20 minutes, it's worth the price of admission. If you aren't counting your pennies, I don't know, Like that's a terrible thing to say. I mean, if you can watch this in a cinema for free, go for it, but... If you did have to pay for it, maybe on a cheap Tuesday, uh, I don't think I don't think you yeah. would have felt so shortchanged because don't watch Godzilla. Well, I don't know. Um, it's your money at the end of the day. I I was personally exhilarated and I was like, huh, maybe this movie ain't so bad. But then the scripting fell flat and the plotting fell flat and the action sequences, wow, interesting. Um. And and certainly did a better job of like showing everyone to be effective. Like they didn't gimp Cyclops, but Cyclops had other problems, unfortunately. And that's the fact that like the actor playing him has not aged eight years. He still looks like a child. <laughs> when Cyclops, in order to be done correctly, as far as I'm concerned, needs to be Captain America with laser eyes. Basically, mm. he needs to be the ultimate leader. Yeah. Uh, you know, perhaps a little bit old-fashioned. A little bit mm. too strategic or, or bookish for his own good, for his own social skills. But he needs to be, once again, just like Xavier, or sorry, just like Patrick Stewart, the kind of guy who, you know, he says, jump, you jump. Yeah, that's kind of the way that I've, I've always seen Cyclops. Well, he, yeah, he sort of looks at you and you go, uh, do you want me to jump? And you will go, make it so. <laughs> <laughs> or it's engage. funny the first time, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think the actor's name is Ty Sheridan. Got no nothing against him except for the fact that he looks like a teenager. And fuck him, because <laughs> I mean, oh, of course, like he's probably going to look like a teenager for the rest of his life. So that's wonderful for him, but not so wonderful when you have to look like the man. Not a teenager. The yeah. man. So, so in summary, are you saying that the first twenty or so odd minutes of this film are the is the best X Men film to come out since First Class? <laughs> X-Men, uh. not, not, not X-Men character film, because that's Logan. I mean, uh. but I'm talking about X-Men, because I mean, there was Days of Future Past, and then there was, uh, Rise of, uh, Age of Apocalypse. Put differently, no other X-Men film made me, uh, basically loop the first track of the score. I think I must have listened to it back to back for a weekend. Wow. Okay. Okay. Solid. After seeing the film on Friday, 
I was just playing it over and over and over again. Just that track. Nothing more than that track. I mean, the, the themes of that track are seeded there and then kind of are, uh, you know, they take root and they are, are, they are referred to or quoted in other tracks on the soundtrack. But that, that first track, because it is so tied to the visuals of the X-Jet blasting the space and this rescue mission that the mutants only the X-Men could do, you know, it's kind of like do or die stuff. Um, that was sheer exhilaration. That was, that was, that was a, you know, a theme park ride right there. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> so, is it the, is the first 20 minutes as good as first class? Oh, gosh. Is ah. it worth seeing just to see the first 20 minutes and skip out? No, I'd say first class edges it out for a number of reasons, but mainly because it had better adherence to the era. Uh, I think if you're going to set something in the 90s, you got to have fun with it. Mm. First Class uh, was very clever in that it not only had fun with the era of the 1960s, late 1960s, but also the fact that it 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 decided to weave itself into actual historical events. Very clever. Mm. Um, which was the, the Cuban Missile Crisis and the clandestine role that the mutants actually played in bringing about the peaceful resolution of that... You know, that flashpoint, which could have gone into World War Three. Here, Saying we have that. We have that. No, sorry. Snake didn't... Well, maybe it was Snake. Maybe all these, things were, all these things were happening concurrently. Yeah. Ah, but oh, we're yeah, only seeing are. little pieces little of pieces, them yeah. because because they're all secret. Um, yes, as I said, the most successful part of, of Dark Phoenix was the first 20 minutes. Because guess what? It wove itself into history. But the setting in the 90s, early 90s, is completely ignored for the rest of it. Oh. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll wait for it to come on TV. So, so it, <laughs> it it kind of fails at the one thing that I thought Captain Marvel succeeded at. Then, I mean, I'm talking about, I'm speaking hypothetically now because I've seen Captain Marvel but have not seen X Men. Whereas you Captain play Marvel, up the era. yeah, you know, Captain Marvel really plays up the 90s, which was cool. Um, and I enjoyed Captain Marvel. I'm not going to go on a limb and say it was the coolest film I've ever watched, but I enjoyed it for what it was, and I enjoyed the character. I um, think she could be more, but whatever. Let's not go there. Um, so, like, that played up the 90s really well, and then you're saying the X-Men just didn't play up the 90s, which, let's be honest, guys, the 90s were the strength of the X-Men, you know? So. Well, I think as as you'd I'm, want part and parcel to, to be that 90s aesthetic. Yeah, I I just want a sort of a one to one conversion of X Men the animated show in live action. Yeah, complete with Southern Belle, Rogue flying around and you know throwing haymakers. I would love a handsome affair. <laughs> and uh, you know Storm, <laughs> Storm monologuing every time she uses her powers. Monsoon <laughs> wind, <laughs> blow these the villainous beings from our lands. I don't know. <laughs> I call upon the rain and storms. May the fury of a moviegoer's bladder wash you away with rain. (laughs) Or something. It's something ridiculous that she says. Well, hopefully now that they are to be folded into the MCU, and I hope sooner rather than later, because Mm. I think the X-Men are most likely... uh, The X-Men and Spider-Man are the characters that I would care the most about in Phase 4. Yeah, uh, mm. I, I'm, I'm not hip to Black Panther or Doctor Strange, 
the Guardians, even with Thor, they're still not my jam, man. They're, they're, they're good fun, don't get me wrong, but like... Yeah, it's a cool like, sci-fi adventure. It's like a I bonus while think, you're waiting for the stuff that you do I don't do think enjoy. they can touch <laughs> the kind of... Uh, Engagement or what? Well, I suppose the connection. The connection I had to obviously Cap and Iron Man, those cats. Yeah, the only way you could replace that is the connection I would have to the cast of the X Men. Mm. You know. Yeah, no, I think so. I'm I'm very curious. I think this is a very. It's it's a big shift. It's a big time of change for the MCU. And so they've they've essentially capitalized the first ten years this great experiment, you know, of 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 connecting this entire universe. And I've I've said this a lot before. No other studio has ever been able to pull this off. They've all tried. They've all failed. It's something you cannot copy. But no. now, can MC can you know Disney and Marvel Studios can they copy the success they've had now? I think they can with the introduction of all these characters now again. Because now with they have they have the X Men back, they have Fantastic Four back. They're allowed to use Spider-Man. They have been using him very successfully up to now. Um, I think it's a, it's a even great get a good time. Fantastic for... Four. <laughs> we might actually finally get a yeah a good Fantastic Four. So I'm very curious to see what's coming next. I mean, I thought Endgame, I'm done. You know, I don't, I wouldn't have to see another MCU movie ever again. Superhero fatigue. I think so. At some point, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I didn't feel it until the end of the Endgame, but I was like. Okay, so this is the end of these great characters, these great stories. I, I, I could actually live the rest of my life without having to watch another bloody superhero movie. <laughs> I think. Then it's very ironic that the next question on my lips is, when do you think we'll next see Wolverine? Oh. I, that, I don't know. I mean, obviously Hugh Jackman, he's, he's, he's kind of put up his, you know, he's, he will not be Wolverine again. I didn't say when will we next oh, see Hugh Jackman see as Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah. When will we I'm see sure. the, character the character cinematically Wolverine. again? I think I'm hoping soon. I mean, really? You've just said you're you're done. You're over. I am done, but like I need a, I need him to be there. You know, when the team comes back together and is is you know in, in confronts the, the the Avengers or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. I would like him to come back in some capacity, but I mean, I suppose if you give him a bit of a rest period, that's also pretty good. I, I must say, like... We, we, we've given him a swan song, and Logan kind of ended it, you know? It's like, here's... What else can you do with Wolverine? You're yeah, essentially well, redoing it again, you know? Well, you've alluded to something interesting there, because, like, uh, and it's it's a way that I feel, it's a sentiment I think we might share... I I think that the X-Men might be bad guys or might be initially characterized as uh, antagonists in the next... Uh, yeah, you know, well, that's the, the that's the thing I was thinking because, I mean, mm. so with the first 10 years, you've been building Thanos. Yeah. This big villain. I mean, you don't have to necessarily make them... E- they're no, they won't be evil. It's just that there's a clash of ideologies or something. And we have had this before. Yeah. With, at least in the comic books with Avengers versus X-Men and with the... But there's several other issues where they have different ways of thinking about things. Yeah, and, and then, it's, it's, it's the battle of the ideas, and it's similar in a way, I suppose, to Civil War, where, you know, there, there's this big idea, there's this big issue that, that people can fall on either side of, and you can yeah. kind of see the good and the bad on both sides. And exactly. you personally just fall on either side, but you can go, but if I fought a different way, I would be on that side. And I think that would be absolutely fantastic if they can do that, where it is Avengers. Versus X Men. I mean, that'd be 
they're absolutely blowing me away. Well, the thing is as well, like, I mean, to add to that, like, I'm watching the Jessica Jones series at the moment. It's the third season. I'm not going to reveal it. Of course you are. (laughs) Because I enjoy Jessica Jones, and so far, um, out of all of the, like, third season Marvel stuff that's come out on Netflix, it's about the only one I've been able to almost finish, actually. Wow, that's fantastic. I I might actually finish it. (laughs) You didn't do Daredevil? I couldn't finish Dude, Daredevil. I got so Jeez, bored with that. guys, <laughs> Daredevil was great. Season three. Season three is the okay, best. I'll, I'll do. I'll, I'll try and finish it. I I, I need to. I don't think we can be friends part. anymore. <laughs> I dude, it didn't do anything to me. It didn't like. I I just felt like it was sort of like. Uh, I'm sort afraid of I fell backwards it. off of uh, Punisher big time. While oh, I, I absolutely love John. What's his yeah. face? The first one was great. Uh, this. Martin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, love the actor. Um, but man, it, it it's glacially paced. The second season yes. of Punisher. I don't even get to the second season. And that doesn't bother me. Like it's not the. Sl- I mean, I couldn't even get. I finished Luke Cage, and I like the character, and I like the actor. Oh, I, I love like Luke Cage, but the way they ended it was weird. Yeah. So, but anyway, coming to my point with the Jessica Jones thing. This is no spoilers, but. There is definitely a sentiment in that show where people, uh, us non-powered people, are becoming aware of people with powers and the envy of that and the fear of that is coming out. And I, I well, if you suddenly fold mutancy into the MCU, mm-hmm. all it those come issues with, come yeah. along with it. Yeah. Exactly. Tony Stark wanted to throw a suit of armor around the world, mm-hmm. but what if the world was filled with superpowered threats? Yeah. Like he's he, at the end of the day, represents humanity. And he yeah. wants to protect humanity against threats both Power. foreign yeah. and domestic. Thre- yeah. Threats both outer space and inner space. I mean, yeah. like, mutants who feel threatened are going to uh, fight back. And, you know, that sets up the tension, obviously, between X-Man and Avenger. Exactly. Yeah. So now, I, I mean, I, I think yeah. if they do anything, that would be the smartest move for them. Is to well, put these these two teams against each other. I, because I mean, what, what do you do next? Yeah. You do Doctor Doom. Okay, it's another big villain guy. You see, so I you... think they're gonna save Doctor Doom and Galactus for Fantastic <clears throat> Four, honestly. As it should be. As yeah, I mean Galactus for sure, but I mean like what? It's it's essentially. I mean, what is what is his what is his goals? His goals is is, is to survive. He has yeah, no beef necessarily against humanity or anyone else. It's just survival. Why does he want to destroy Earth so he can keep living himself? Yeah, but that's the and, yeah, but that's the thing with Galactus that makes him so interesting because that that makes him an interesting bad guy as well. You know, and makes mm-hmm. him an interesting villain because essentially it's like you're going it's up just against a force of nature, like a, a tornado. Nature, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, but the thing is, okay, in the, well, in I, the, maybe the, I could get behind that, but it's just like look, I forces feel... of nature. They had their time in the sun with like Twister and <laughs> you know, volcano. It's not a charismatic baddie because it doesn't have a point of view. Yeah, As you say, it's what, literally just it. It wants to survive. Exactly, and I mean, there's nothing you can get behind that. I think the way that they went about characterizing or humanizing, I suppose, Thanos, Thanos is just goodness. absolutely incredible. You 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 don't like his point of view, but you can kind of see why he's decided to do what he did. No, exactly. That's, that's fascinating. I don't think you can repeat that. Well, I mean, the thing with, is... With any could... of these superhero movies with their villains, mm-hmm. I mean, they're very much like, I want to destroy something, I want to do this. It's just like, they're just there as an antagonist, just just something so we can lead up to a big fight at the end of the movie. Uh, well, they nuanced it... him so well. Thanos was 
magnificent and mm. has only grown in magnificent after I've watched various YouTube, uh, uh, documentaries on the motion capture process in getting Brolin's performance. Mm. It was so detailed and so good and so seamless at, at creating a, 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 a CG character essentially. We were watching a CG character yeah. and it didn't drop the suspension of disbelief not once. He could perform as, as minusculely and as minutely and as sensitively as he wanted mm. and they were able to translate his micro movements of his mouth, his eyes, everything into a lot of this his mo- detailed a lot of- performance. Yeah, a lot of his um, non-verbal tells, should I say. Oh, yeah. incredible yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah so, you, you can't repeat that, is what I'm, what I'm thinking. I mean, if you, individual movies, you can introduce bad guys, you can have those little fights, but the overall thing, I think, it has to be X-Men versus Avengers. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes sense in the end, and because that's some of the most successful things of the first ten years was Civil War, mm-hmm. was that conflict between the, you know, the superiors themselves. The villain wasn't even... You didn't even care who he was in the end. I mean, yeah. it's interesting to a certain degree, but it's 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 how he made the you know the superiors react to each other, which mm. was fascinating. Yeah, we have a long string of forgettable villains. Mm. Uh, the, these characters are at their finest when they are fighting each other. Yeah, it's and true. then that's also what some of the best stories in the Marvel universe, the comic books as well, have been. And Marvel does that a lot, actually. They're very good at putting their superheroes against each other and showing the greys. Yeah. While something like the DC universe, which I absolutely love, is very much Black this good nice. and this bad. You know, there's this good, there's good guys, there's bad guys. Yes, Batman may have, you know, questionable ways of doing things, but he has that rule. He doesn't kill. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's a big thing of who he is. He may be the darkest knight, but he has rules. Yeah, well, the, the and he is very much a good guy. Like you, well, the, you cannot say Batman is a bad guy. No, well, totally. I mean, the fact that like you know Batman has been tempted by the power of the Yellow Ring before and completely rejected it. Like mm. everything about Batman's personality actually suits using a Yellow Ring, for example. And that's always the thing that I've always that's a distinction for me is that the DC superheroes are gods, while the the Marvel superheroes are people. They yeah. may have superpowers, but they are very much based in in in, in their humanity. And with that comes foibles, and you know that there's highs and there's lows, and that's how that's how Stanley and everyone else, Stanley Rip, rest in peace, and everyone else who worked at at Marvel, they've humanized these 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 characters. You can relate to them. That's why you know Captain America. We love him as much, you know, as Steve Rogers as he is Captain America, because I this is I fascinating. Would, uh, just sort of on the same topic, but just a bit of a uh, on an aside. I'd love to see a supreme power. Um, you know, Supreme Power, written mm. by, uh, by Mark Miller. Uh, uh, was it? Yeah, like that, where basically, like Superman, like it's it's like a whole different take on Superman and a whole different take. It, it, I, I'd like to see that, and I'd like to see that as like a TV series with some good backing, like an HBO backing or something to it. Because well, that's always the thing. I mean, when you have these different takes on the heroes, it's very interesting. And superheroes are in vogue right now. Very much so. Everyone's doing it. TV series, movies. I mean, it's it's all over the place. But I think, yeah. I think. I mean, this is this is my prediction. I mean, this is very loose, but this is my prediction of how of what I think the MCU might do. And I might be completely way off, and you know, as we all will be because we'll speculate. Hmm. But I imagine, like we've been speaking about, the X Men will represent some form of antagonist to the Avengers, or 
the Avengers will then become the antagonist because maybe they will shift the camera to the perspective of the X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. But essentially, I think it's going to be a series of this race of superpowered or this group of superpowered people are going to deal with a whole bunch of unpredictable superpowers that are coming their way from every which side. It's difficult for them to distinguish who the enemy is. And once that distinction has sort of loosely been created, it's going to be about humanity versus superpowers. And that is where we're going to see the X-Men and, and the Avengers working together, not only to protect humanity, but also to sort of protect their own kind, the kind that have superpowers, and to try and find that equilibrium. And the best type of villain in that situation would be the one who's always lighting the sparks. And that would be a great opportunity for us to have some very well-done human villains, as well as having some very powerful intergalactic villains. And I know that they're playing on Adam Warlock, and I don't know how they're going to bring that in. But, I mean, that opens us up for a whole bunch of, like, other things, uh, other characters, which Marvel could make relevant, um, you know, that haven't perhaps been relevant before. And, you know, in that kind of scenario, that's when, like, somebody like the Scarlet Witch, for example, could end up being the supervillain because she's good, 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 until a point where... You know, she's got immense power and people are not really aware of that yet. And she could end up being the villain. Then it becomes the Avengers, the X-Men and humanity against, you know, Scarlet Witch. The possibilities are endless. And the thing is that they can draw from decades and decades upon decades of of current book stories. And all of these ideas have been explored to death. But but what's nice is the movies have always been able to adapt that in, in a way that's still interesting and fresh. Ex- uh, and, and I've enjoyed that. Ten years now, we we still bloody watching these movies. <laughs> and look no, mm-hmm. <coughs> look no further, uh, look, uh, look no further than Infinity War to show, to to prove to us how the Marvel Cinematic Universe can take an already amazing comic book series and actually turn it into an amazing movie series without comic book readers walking in and expecting everything that's coming their way. And, you know, they could still be surprised. Us comic readers could still be surprised by the things on screen. Definitely. Yeah. I was very so. surprised. So well, I, I, yeah, I, I hate to admit it, but I think uh, they, they managed to improve on, on a classic. Yeah, no, for I, sure. I, I, I meant to say this in our Endgame uh, retrospective, but dropping the whole Thanos trying to impress death, death yes. uh, was was smart because that was the hokiest part of that debacle. I mean, that was his motivation. He had a crush. He was like, Oh, I want to impress you. Let me kill a lot of people. <laughs> that must make death happy. Let's send a whole bunch of sinners to the gates of hell. <laughs> like that, that was just. That was feeble. Yeah, no, feeble it motivation. Was. It's like, why didn't you just kill everyone? <laughs> and so yeah, his his whole and especially you know in the light of our kind of. Perhaps our environmental uh, thin ice that we're walking on at the moment. This kind of resource mm-hmm. uh, concern that that mm. rang true. A lot yeah. of us were like, perhaps a little bit beguiled by Thanos's reasoning. It's like, oof, the people remaining will live a grateful, grateful existence. They should, yeah. They just need to be made oblivious. That's how I will correct my plan. And how will humanity deal the- with the new settlement of its guardians on Earth? How does that change the makeup of planet Earth? Having Asgardians. <laughs> well, oh, Asgardians and mutants. Come on, come on. It's happening. It's, it's going it's to happen, guys. Yeah, so I think there's a bit of fatigue, at least for myself personally, but like I think they can bring it back by just combining all of these things. Just being able to see the X-Men and the Avengers in the same space. Yeah, create interesting... Mind. 
yeah, if, if Marvel can create interesting questions um, and answer those questions in a in an acceptable manner or in a in a really amazingly cool manner like they've done before, then we're going to be all good for MCU films. I just hope oh, that guys, this is what happens when we don't have a topic, a topic. in mind. <laughs> we go everywhere. We, talk, we give you. We a... talk a little bit of GI Joe up front, and then it's PlayStation. Well, and you Avengers. Know, you know, that's, but how that, lucky that's, are that's, our listeners? You, you said up front. You said up front. You know, this is us catching up, and and guys, you you you, you get to listen to us chatting chatting with each other. And All the I'm way. Sure, yeah. I'm sure everyone here listening as well. Yes. We are all G.I. Joe fans, but we have an interest in a lot of different things. And it's, even if maybe uh, you found the whole video game thing boring, I'm sure <laughs> some of you really enjoyed us talking about movies. Or, you know, They're you really love the video you, game stuff. They don't mind what you say, as long as you say something. As long as I say yeah. something. Oh, yeah. But guys, I mean, damn. <laughs> I, I think this Shame is Paul, the you want best to jump topic. In. Yeah, Woo! I think this topic of no topic is, is great because there's a lot of guys that are going to be driving home from Joe Fest and some of them have a two or three hour long drive as we well Wake know. up! Yes! Wake up! Oh, I'm driving! Um, but yeah, Make so the break. cool thing is you've got this amazing podcast to listen to, which is not have just about G.I. Joe. Have a rock song, because guys. Because you, you've had a G.I. Joe full, uh, full weekend slash week. And now you just don't want to talk about G.I. Joe. You want to hear about the rest of the break. I'm glad that we were able to give you that break. And I'm glad that we were all be able to, we were all able to catch up tonight. I mean, it's, it's been okay. a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed the variety of topics we've covered. Um, I think, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. To cap off our superhero conversation, I, I basically packed up, uh, my toys. Like everything's kind of squared away in such a way that, uh, Inevitably, when <laughs> my my brother's kids descend Woo! on the family home at the end of the year, uh, they won't be dropping any Tiger break. Force artbacks. Oh, um, God, or, or, or falling on the Defiant. Ooh. <laughs> I've set aside, obviously, the Snowcat and Wolf, but the toys that are closest to my bag at the moment are superhero figurines. Whoa. I've got a selection of X-Men and I've got a selection of, X, uh, of, of Avengers. Cool. Interesting. Are we expanding? Are we expanding, eh? New stories coming to G.I. Doberg. Guys, I just find the banter amongst superheroes to be probably the best you can ever produce. Because their backstories are so varied. Banter amongst Joes, for the most part, they're all military men and women. Mm. And while they're not above some hijinks... There is a kind of a level of decorum or formality that comes with the, the uniform. Yeah, the uniform and the training. I mean, they've all gone through essentially the same training, whether it be Navy or Army or Air Force or whatever. I mean, they've all been trained to do things in a certain way together. And that's what that's the strength, obviously. G.I. Joe is a team. It's not necessarily about an individual. And we've said this before, I think. But it's nice to have a team of individuals. So choose your squad. But when I'm alone in my hotel room late at night after coming home from a show, I'm surrounded by X-Men on the one hand and Avengers on the other. As I say, the banter that I have in my head when playing with those action figures, just their interactions, it entertains me a lot. Hmm. I, I get a lot of joy out of that. So, yeah. And one very cool Quinjet, Avengers Quinjet, which is compact enough to take along with me. Rob hasn't seen it yet on the show turn. Oh, I'm so excited. I, I would actually take like a small squad of Joes, like five five Joes or six Joes, like a small dedicated unit. I mean, this is uh, um, 
separate from the the snow stuff, and and then just take some cobra stuff as well, like a small like a small unit of Joes. I mean, and a small unit of cobras that you could essentially tell stories with. You know, I'm gonna drop a thread on our Facebook group uh, in conjunction with this podcast, asking for suggestions. <laughs> cool. Why not? But guys, please keep space in mind. I think if we go over yeah, twenty figures, yeah, uh, it's you, starting to push it a little bit. Twenty figures and two vehicles. That's that's all you get. First so. comments win. <laughs> no, First comments win. I, I, I'll take them all under advisement, and uh, you know, please provide reasons. Um, you know, perhaps perhaps you you see what we're doing on the webisode front, and you're like, well, clearly they need to start introducing like. Jinx and Falcon and Law and Order and uh, Crazy Legs, you know, the sort of the, the 87 team, because, mm. you know, there are some heavy hitters there. Tunnel rat. Uh, and, and they definitely need a time in the sun. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the 87 Cobras, which are the freak shows. You know, <laughs> ma- so masters of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a guy in a bird suit, a guy in a crocodile suit. <laughs> the boxer. guy in a gimp suit. Oh, some of my favorite <laughs> stuff is in there. Oh my word! Of course, Paul. Of it's, course, uh, I your fa- the, the, the list of your favorite stuff is—it's quite extensive. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I've got to find an. I wasn't gonna for that stop stuff. you when you gave us your PlayStation list, but I, I think that ran over 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but like the thing is, like it is a bumper drive home from from Joe Con. Absolutely, I absolutely. Mean, from, so you guys, you, you got 20 minutes of Paul talking about beautiful video games, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully you played some of them. Yeah, and I'm going to mention in passing uh, a beautiful toy venture, which uh, you really should be checking out if you're a listener of this podcast. Bobby Vale's Kickstarter that for Action Force is live and will be live until mid-July. It started on the 14th of June. Uh, it's obviously, I suppose, devised to go through the kind of Joe Fest weekend. He's obviously going to be there uh, showing off his product. And he's selling prints. <laughs> so, yeah, man. I, I'd, I'd like to give this guy every bit of support because he's, he's a real one. He's like, you know, one of the, the voices of Hasbro, the former voices of Hasbro that was really flying the flag for G.I. Joe specifically. Yeah. So he's, the priest. Yeah. exactly. He's branched into six inch scale modern military action figures with modular accessories and you know they're high quality because Mr. Valor is, of course, the man, respo- <laughs> the man responsible for, and a high-quality guy, yes, but the man responsible for Marvel Legends. You know his six-inch game is tight. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. I love it when Rob's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know I'm drunk? I don't. Because I just fought him and you didn't even say anything. Oh, no. Uh, so, check out his... Um, his Kickstarter, you will find it if you just Google uh, Action Force Kickstarter. Or you can go to his website at valiverse.com. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Uh, no, Please, both. check out his products. No, no, it's both. it's well worth your time, man. Do it, do it, do it. And I hope everyone had an amazing time at Joe Fest this weekend. Um, all very jealous. <laughs> and let us know. I mean, Steve sort of dropped a hint about a Twitch stream. Let us know if there are any video games you'd like to watch the G.I. Joe book crew play. Um, I think I'm the only one who can actually set up the stream other than Rob, but I know that I can stream some of the console stuff at least. So let us know and we can try and make do that it, happen. Do it, do it. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. Uh, I hope you all get home safely. If you are listening to this on the drive home and if you're listen, listening to this after, I hope you're keeping well, you're having a good day, evening, or night. 
And um, yeah, join us again next time when we might actually talk about Joe's for more than a t- half of the episode. <laughs> 30 uh, episode. <laughs> and, uh, and in reference to Outback, I think what Stephen was trying to say is it's, it's about the journey, guys. It's about yeah. the journey. And, for sure. and as far as I'm concerned, Outback is still a journey for, for Stephen. So. Yeah, he's been on a very long journey, and he's 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 now very safely in his uh, his his seat, <laughs> <laughs> sitting in the tiger cat, never to emerge. Keep it breezy, keep it easy, keep it lazy, lemon squeezy, never sleazy. <laughs> lazy. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Cheers, guys. Why? <laughs>